It's July 25th, 2022. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 193 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomeshi, nice to be talking to you. Hope you're keeping well wherever you are tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Canada, from Toronto. Salam du sana aziz du Welcome to a new big edition of Rook. I've been looking forward to this today. Live in the Rook studio, Rastok Band. Uh, this is Rastok. I mean, uh, a number of the members are going to be here in conversation, in performance. This is the internationally recognized, um, amazing Iranian folk and roots ensemble, part um, part musical band, part archaeologists, part ethnomusicologists, uh, and incredible players. And to have them here in the Rook studio is pretty exciting stuff. I'm super excited. I can't tell you how excited I am. Yeah, it's, yeah. Good. it's really nice to have them here. Uh, also, before that, coming up on this show, Pani Kionzad, by which I mean Pani Bonsai Kionzad, that's her nickname, the Iranian-Swedish mixed martial artist yeah. and the first and only Iranian-born woman to ever be signed by UFC. This is the ultimate fighting mm -hmm. championship. For folks who don't know what this is out there, this is mixed martial arts, it's MMA. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's pretty intense stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, what do you, how do you describe uh, MMA? Like I, I, gladiator in modern day. It's like boxing it's and kickboxing and judo <laughs> like and every, everything mixed. Every martial And art. it's really raw yeah. and you got to be pretty badass to be uh, doing it. And at the top of the, the elite is UFC. And mm. so yeah. Pani, who's based in Sweden, we're going to be talking to her. She's in Stockholm wow. right now, uh, is now in the top 10 ranked women. Uh, in her weight class uh, of uh, in, at UFC, wow. which is pretty impressive stuff. I'm proud right. of her, man. Blood, sweat, and tears, literally. You know, you uh, UFC, anything goes. Like with boxing and the ring. No, you're there's not, rules. It's not no, like there are rules. you stab there, each other. No, like no, anything stop, well, you don't have weapons, Keon, in <laughs> right, the ring. Right, but you can, but, you know, there yeah, are rules. But it's interesting when you say like it's the highest of the highest mm -hmm. because they get at, like beyond that, you're actually like it's murder. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. But no, indeed, right, like, so it's, what it's you, pretty this, brutal. It's a sport. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, Have you ever brutal. seen it? But it's impressive. Yeah, very you gotta impressive. Got to be a major, very major impressive. shape. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, Panny Kianzad joining us in just a few moments. Let's talk about murder. <laughs> it's <laughs> just very. His, his yeah. brain's always in movies. You know, you know, the next level is like you murder. Know, uh, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when my dad was here, he would be like, Baba John, Bad Bishon, Megi Shirzan. Lioness. Uh, hello to you, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Uh, hello, Groovy Shaya. <laughs> Hi, Aziz. And hello, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Jean. Hi. Yeah, normal am person. I, am I normal? Okay. Well, yeah. You're not <laughs> like, you did a voice for that. These are characters, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, it's nice to see you all since we... Uh, 
The last time we saw each other was uh, on Saturday. We were at a, uh, a gathering, yeah. actually a gathering of a former, uh, formerly somebody who was um, uh, doing some work with us here at Rook, the amazing uh, uh, Thoughtful Nagin. Thoughtful Nagin. Remember yeah. Thoughtful Nagin, yeah, who wrote some pieces for us and uh, uh, is a wonderful artistic type, and she's got she's busy with all kinds of things, so we don't have her in the, in the Rook team uh, as regularly anymore, yes. but uh, she had a party on the weekend. We were there, yeah. and... Um, now, one of the caterers, I just want to explain, uh, this, I, I hate to bring everything back to how much we eat, but uh, uh, the cater, uh, the people who were catering were the, the wonderful Miras Cafe, right. who we've talked about uh, on this program before. If you're in the Toronto area, you go up there on uh, Young Street, Richmond Hill, and there's a wonderful cafe. And so they had a bunch of um, hors d'oeuvres and food out and things like that. And I think Keon, you and I both thought, well, that was the food. Yeah. So yeah. we ate the tachin and we ate the... the so first few <laughs> hours of the oh. night, I was gorging on the wonderful Miras Cafe. Then, you know, Iruni style at midnight, they're like, okay, come on. <laughs> come on upstairs for the d- dinner. Or what? I've been eating all night. <laughs> yeah. So Warm then the spread. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What I, do you do? You I, can't say no. I wasted my appetite with the tagine, man. <laughs> that, that's oh, happened man. a few times to me. I'm like, oh, well, this is dinner, and I eat, and then yeah. I couldn't. But I the kebab, the rango varang sofrev. Thank you lovely. very much. It was yeah. lovely. Yeah. It was wonderful. I, 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 I saw, uh, I think Shia had the right idea. Like, everybody was kind of standing and, you know, trying to eat a little bit. Of and I walked by the kitchen at one point. Shia's just sitting in the kitchen. He's got a big, <laughs> got piles <laughs> of stuff in front of him. No. Yeah. Bra- if you were sitting at the kitchen, that was a big mistake. I went downstairs. <laughs> down Stay away. Corner. I couldn't say no. It was wonderful. Uh, the, the, the allure. The allure. allure and allure of Persian food never never sees. Why does it taste so much better after midnight, too? <laughs> oh, right. You really, you know, right, give, her, give me the kebab so and the korma sabzi and the pheasant after midnight, oh. yeah, and it's just yeah. it's just that much better, isn't it? Oh. Drunk, too. You know, when after a few drinks, I you would have know. it, and it's just... Uh, but, oh, uh, really? You speak from experience. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous Keon. We're coming to you on a... Speaking of which, uh, how about Captain Reza? Uh, living up to his name. He, he, oh, he was like man. Weekend at Bernie's, passed yeah. out outside. <laughs> Did you see that? I thought he was, this guy, I, I, he was, I was on like, a pool is, chair. Is Reza dead? <laughs> Has he finally died? <laughs> yeah, finally. Yeah. But it was a strategic decision. It worked, though. What, I thought he was being sly with you. Sunglasses. You intentionally passed yeah, out? Yeah. Well, I was. T- I hadn't slept in like days. Uh-huh. Did you think like, of leaving the party and going home? Maybe no, getting- because my uh, girlfriend would have yelled at me, and I had to <laughs> listen to her for the next uh-huh. three days. So, so you thought you would pass? You would just lie on I was on like, a- baby, how about this? While you're dancing with your friends, should I go just lay down by the pool <laughs> and get some rest? She was like, of course, Azizam. You've been up for three, four days. So I put my sunglasses on at night, which everybody thought... Look at this jackass! Yeah. <laughs> like trying to look cool, but to uh, be fair, it is something you normally do. So that's right. Yeah. That is true. So it's not quite out of the ordinary, yeah. but it worked like a charm. And uh, did it? <laughs> not sure. In it what did. way did it work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you passed out at a party. When I arrived, it was like eight thirty or nine o'clock, and Reza was like, uh, "I'm drunk." And I was like, "What, D- dude? It's like the sun hasn't gone down. What? Of course, you you're going to be passed out in a few hours." <laughs> We're coming to you on rookmedia.com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms. We are on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Castbox. If you'd like to see some visuals with Rook, go to YouTube. 
that's where it is. That's where the show is with things you can watch, video, uh, YouTube, uh, Rook Media. And if you like your descriptions in, and bulletins in English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. You can support us by pressing the support us button funny enough on our website rookmedia.com that's the place to go for all things if you're interested in previous episodes our different programs the contemporary history of iran the funny the videos rookmedia.com all right big announcement august 15th august 15th talking to persians our new fun well we hope travel documentary video series talking to persians uh will make its debut on august 15th circle that on your calendars uh what's august 15th in persian august uh, well i meant what what is it in on the persian, persian calendar uh, thank you captain reza wednesday uh, <laughs> august it's it's calendar that sounds wrong. August 15th, our first destination, London. Uh, we shot this, of course, uh, last year. And in fact, we'll have a Talking to Persians preview podcast in a couple of weeks uh, as we lead up to August 15th. Again, August 15th, Talking to Persians, London. This is featuring all kinds of interesting members of the London, England, Persian community and some unexpected developments mm. happen in this documentary uh, we are excited to share this with you we did have an advanced screening of this yeah. at the Cineplex VIP a big movie theater uh, last week for some uh, selected folks who came and saw it and we were thrilled with uh, uh, you know Reza and I well we'll talk about this on the preview podcast yeah. but Reza and I were sitting together Oh, you were just in front of us, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I, halfway through, I, like you know, those filmmakers. I mean, I've interviewed filmmakers for years, yeah. and uh, you'll talk to someone like a, like Tarantino or something, and he'll be like, "I never sit in the crowd when there's this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the screening Aww. at Cannes yeah. or something like that." I always be, because you know it's nerve wracking. It's like my equivalent would be when. You, you record a new record and you you don't want to be in the room when people are listening to it because yeah. you're going to be thinking, what are they thinking? Yeah. Do they like it? Why is the guy checking his phone? You know, oh, yeah. and so Reza and I are sitting there as this is uh, rolling out, and and I and I, at one point I turn around I'm like this is excruciating, oh, <laughs> and every time the audience collectively laughs, oh, we look at each other like yes, yeah, and then there's one. another part where they're kind of silent. We're I like know. shit, this is done. I know, I know. There was a joke that you're waiting, like you're setting it up and you're waiting for the laugh. You're like, oh, it's coming up, it's coming up. Nothing, not a peep. And you're like, I hate this. I hate my life. I hate this talk. I quit. And Reza, who's the director of this uh, series, and he, Reza was, had, you know, had bear, we, neither of us had, had slept. We we were no, finishing the edit like two days before the, the screening. And so we were, uh, you know, pretty sensitive at that point. Uh, but thankfully, the reaction's just been yeah, amazing. Really yeah. And so yeah. August 15th on our YouTube channel, Talking to Persians, London. Uh, we invite you to check it out. We look forward to it. And before then, we're going to be posting, if you follow us on Instagram and on our, our other platforms, we're going to be posting little tidbits of it, and we'll do our Talking to Persians preview podcast on August 8th, the week before. All right, a big thank you to Hamid Reza Safipur for helping to make this episode of Rook get to your ears and eyes. Hamid Safipur, luxury custom homes. If you're in the Toronto area, listen, if you're an Iranian-Canadian, you may know the name Safipur. Uh, Hammy got his master's in civil engineering and got into the field of building and consulting on luxury homes over three decades ago. 
And in the last 20 years, Team Hamid and Nina have made the Safipur name one of the tops in the business, a name you can trust, you might say, to buy your dream land, buy your dream house. Safipur Luxury Homes have now teamed up with Remax and they are moving into also doing exotic high-rises that are beyond things we've seen in Toronto before. If you are thinking to buy or sell or build your dream house, if you are anywhere near the Toronto area or are interested in buying here, get in touch with Safipur, Safipur, that's S-A-F-I-P-O-O-R.com. All right, Rastock coming into the Rook studio for a conversation, uh, a wide-ranging conversation we're going to have with them. There's going to be six members of the band in the Rook studio, plus a performance that's coming up. And by the way, uh, I think most of the interview will probably be in Persian, uh, also some English. But um, So if you do not speak Persian or uh, you want subtitles, go to YouTube and we'll have the subtitled version there so you can read while you listen. Uh, all right, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, the uh, fabulous Kiam, we'll see you on the other side of this because right now, first, my first feature guest today is an Iranian-Swedish mixed martial artist who's had tremendous success as an athlete and fighter. Pani Bonsai Kianzad is the first and only Iranian-born woman to have ever been signed by UFC. That's the ultimate fighting championship in the women's bantamweight division. Pani was born in Ahvaz. Her family immigrated to Sweden when she was only one year old. She started her career in boxing at the age of 13 and found her passion. Pani knew exactly what she wanted. She became the 2011 Swedish national featherweight shoot fighting champion at the age of 19. She also fought in Invicta FC and Cage Warriors, where she held the bantamweight title. She is currently number nine in the UFC women's bantamweight rankings. It's big stuff, and she's coming off a unanimous decision win in April in Las Vegas right now. Pani Kianzad joins me from Stockholm, Sweden. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm very well. It's good to have you on the program. <laughs> Thanks. Do I call you Panny or Bonsai? Mm, no, I like Bonsai, but <laughs> Panny is okay for now. <laughs> how how did you how and when did you get the nickname Bonsai? Mm, I was an amateur and I was training with like uh, an old boxing coach and uh, uh he said that Bonsai was something that the Japanese like called out when before they went to war. That's right. Uh and and I mean, it suited me and it suits my name. So it's like a warrior cry, yeah. right? It's like bombs away. Yeah. Yeah. It means uh, leave, leave no survivors. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. And, and is that your, your mantra? Or you, you, I guess you are kind of a warrior, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say that fighters are like warriors, but I just like it. I just like how the name and how the fighting name uh, goes well with my, the rest of my name. Um, Panny, and by the way, I'm doing the American version of Panny rather than Pawnee. Um, yeah. <laughs> and is Pawnee is like a short form of like Ponta or something? Is it? Do, yeah. It, it is. is. Oh, sort of, yeah. I was guessing. Yeah, but the, yeah, it is. But the thing is that like Europeans don't get it. You know, <laughs> it's only Iranians. Like, if I would live in Iran, I would. I don't think I would ever call myself Pawnee. 
I think it would just be Ponta Alba there. It's just that they don't get it over here. Right, uh, right. Like, apparently, just, like, it's easier because uh, my parents called me that when I was younger. So it's it's just really easier to get by. Yeah, it's more of a, it's got a good Hollywood quality about it, Panny, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. fine. It, it works. <laughs> Listen, I have to start by asking you, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't because I noticed on your your Twitter a few days ago, um, you talked about the fact that you've, you've, you've had some kind of an injury uh, and you were reassuring... Uh, your fans and followers that you're okay and that you're yeah. you know still going to be a champion but but um can you tell us what happened and how you're doing yeah so it was an injury in training uh it's just that i'm i'm going to require surgery that's why i'm in stockholm oh wow so cuz uh yeah it's just something i just need to get done if i want to get back uh, to fighting quickly it, it's going to take me a few months to rehab um it's pretty Fortunate because I had this is like my first major injury. Uh, I call it major because it needs surgery, and I've never done any surgical uh, procedures before. So it's been well, wasn't really how I wanted the summer to go. I was gonna, I was scheduled to fight um, number four ranked Irina Aldana in September that got you know pushed, right? <laughs> yeah, they found a replacement because. Yeah, it sucks, but uh, now I'm here. So does it depress? I mean, first of all, if you're an MMA fighter, if you're a UFC mm-hmm. fighter, uh, I, I'm I'm guessing injuries come with the territory, right? You know that it's what you're doing is physically kind of, if not dangerous, it's 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 raising the stakes that something might happen to you at some point, right? Yeah, of course it happens. It's just that I haven't been through this kind of injury before, and. Uh, uh, I mean, but the doctors have been taking care of me, and I mean, I'm getting the surgery like really quickly. Like I, I just got injured barely two weeks ago. It's uh, it's kind of mentally, uh, you know, frustrating for being like super active. Mm-hmm. I work out like two, three times a day. So. Um, Did you get depressed? Yeah, a lot. I'm still depressed, <laughs> mm. but it's gonna get worse. I mean, I'm gonna be out for a few months, and you know, for a lot of people, this it's not a big deal because they're not super active. But I fight like three, four times a year, so um, yeah. But uh, the UC has people to help me with that as well, so it's fine. Just is, that, there, is, is there? A, I mean, I don't want to get. I want to get into your your story of how you got where you are, but just so I don't want to get too in the weeds with this, but. Uh, I, I got to imagine, I mean, you're signed to UFC. You probably have an agent, a manager. There's a whole business around this that when you yeah. get injured, it, it affects a lot of people, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, um, I mean, but my managers don't, don't care about like me. Oh, if she doesn't fight. We don't, we don't get our cut. We're not like that. We're like more like a family. And they helped me out and they they got me the best help I could get, so... Can I ask you because you said you're going to go um, get do rehab in Vegas? Um, I mm. noticed when I was looking at all your fights, like the sort of list of all, all the fights you've you've done, um, most of them are in Vegas. Yeah. Why, are you tempted to? I mean, I'm going to ask you how you ended up in Sweden and what what Sweden means to you, but but um, why don't you live in Vegas if if everything happens in Vegas when I it comes should, to right? UFC? No. Well, <laughs> I should. <laughs> no, I just that. Um, the whole living in the States never been that appealing to me. Uh, I mean, I could do it for a few months and uh, at a time. I've been, I've been to Vegas for a lot of weeks at a time, but to do camps and stuff, which is nice that I will, I'm thinking about even doing a camp over there soon. It's just like, 
Sweden is one of the best countries to live in. Mm. And it just feels a shame to let that go. I mean, we have free medical, free school. We have free everything. <laughs> you basically don't have to do that much here. Uh, but I like Sweden. But, I mean, I have fought, like, more than half of my career in the States. I mean, basically, they never put me on any other card in the States. Uh, it's easy to market me over over there. And... Um, I guess like I've been fighting there since Invictus FC. So what do you uh, mean? What do you, what do you mean? It's easy to to market you. How do they market you? Uh, no, I mean like it's easier to <clears throat> how do I say it? like um, it's good to be a European fighter that they want to uh, make a bigger star over in the states. Right. You don't want to be that that European fighter that never gets to come to the states. Mm. Uh, I just think that. I have a good base over there and I've been fighting there for such a long time and it's it's kind of like easy to have me over there. Can I can I just ask you but before we leave the injury issue um yeah. there's a there's a photo of yours and I know that you're not uh embarrassed by it or ashamed by it I mean I think you're 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 bonsai about it I think because you you pinned it on your one of your social media platforms I can't remember which but it's your face is bloodied and and you're looking toothless you know and um and I mean it's a pretty you know it's a pretty defiant slash garish I mean there's blood all over your face and you got no teeth and you tweeted um not that long ago that you've been toothless for four years now um, and it was kind of a funny tweet because you said something that people are always DMing you saying, <laughs> did so you? so many dentists that have been trying to get in my DMs. It's crazy. I just felt like a, like, I don't know, just a Tinder for like dentists. Just like, they're like all over the place now. I just like, I have my, half of my family's are dentists, so I don't need any more. I'm Iranian. So I have my sister that's good as my cousin has, you know, it's. But it's just that, um, and of course, my the dentist I have is Iranian, of course. But <laughs> and no, but I mean, I lost my teeth, and um, when I was filming the Ultimate Fighter for UFC 2018, I lost one of them, and then the other one got pretty damaged, so I had to take that out. But uh, I'm gonna drill in a new teeth. It's just that I was actually gonna do that after this fight. And but I'm probably gonna do it now. You got some time. Can... You got some time on your hands. Yeah, I got some time now. So, <laughs> but I haven't done it because I've been so active fighting, and it takes me like two, three months to heal when they do have to drill up the titanium things. Uh, but then I'm thinking, you know, it's uh, I have um I have a prostate thing that I take in and out, mm. and it works pretty good. And um, I just don't want to do anything like when I'm like in the middle of doing a lot of fights. And uh, people think every time I fight, they, they think I, I lose them, but I just take them out. It's just <laughs> easier, <laughs> right. you know? Right, right. You're not losing but, teeth yeah. in every fight. No, <laughs> well, people are stupid. I think that, so. <laughs> but you know, I was thinking, uh, I mean, uh, you're probably so involved in it that this question might not even mean anything to you, but I was thinking about you and I was thinking about your Iranian background and you know, Iranians are very, I mean, one hates Here. to generalize, but very, <laughs> very has sauce about how we look, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's the nose surgery capital of the world or one of them, you know, and, and everybody does, you know, cares about their uh, women put on a lot of makeup or they get work mm-hmm. done or whatever. Um, that's not something 
it occurs to me that you can really afford to worry about in your sport, right? You can't like go into a fight worrying about how your face is going to look at the end of it or something. Tell me how you how you manage those expectations of yourself. I mean, of course, I like to take care of myself. I mean, I'm not into all that plastic surgery stuff. I definitely want to fix my nose when I'm done. Not like the appearance uh, side of it, just that I can breathe. I haven't been able to breathe for 10 years. Uh, That's the only thing I want to do when I'm done. But uh, when it comes to looks, I mean, I am. I had this problem with my mom for like over 17 years. (laughs) It's been like, oh, your face. I'm like, I, w- I wasn't that pretty to begin with. So I'm trying to tell her that I'm not fucking things up too much, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, like, haven't even thought about that. I know that uh, that the, a lot of the women look really good, Iranian women, that they care on themselves and everything. I just, like, never thought about it like that. Uh, I always had, like, a boxer nose since I was a little and you know the ears thing you know the wrestling ears but I I find it that a lot of the the Iranians that write me they think it's you know they don't care maybe even they think it's kind of cool looking but well, I think I it's. I, I think it. First of all, I think it's awesome that you don't think about that. Uh, really, I didn't mean yeah. to suggest that you should. And no, 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 please. And also, I, I don't. I think. I mean, I, I don't know who says you're not pretty. I mean, you're, you're. you're I mean, you're. That's. I, I wouldn't say that. I certainly not. Wouldn't say that. Um, but w- when this thing about not being able to breathe was that from a fight? Did something happen to your nose? Yeah, it's just like. Uh, um, the bre- I don't know what's it called in English, but like the actual breathing holes, like the the nose thing here, nostrils. And need- mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the kind of the bone inside here, it got like it's going this way. Mm. So wh- if you look into my nostrils, you can see it. One of the sides are totally blocked. Mm. It's because the bone has moved from my knee from a fight. And I think it happened like a lot of years ago, but then I I broke it the first time when I was like 15 and it's never been the same. I just, I can't breathe like through it. So when I sleep, I have to put like these like bandages over here. That works pretty good. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's uh, that's the only thing I want to fix. I don't really, I haven't never thought about like fixing my nose because even though if I'm going to quit fighting, I will probably still want to train. I don't mm. want to fuck it up, you know. Yeah, so I, I'm never thinking about like the cosmetic stuff because um, I have a huge scar of my nose, of the bridge of my nose here. Mm. I didn't, I didn't know that. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a huge scar over. So maybe I will fix some of those stuff, but it's nothing that you know that I'm concerned about at all. Um, actually, the- it, it would be something I would think about is to like when I'm done fighting, it would be just like my physical appearance to just like stay in shape you know right sure. that's the only thing right, right. nothing else so uh take me back to how this all happened for you you're this you're this baby this kid from Ahvaz. your parents move to sweden um 30 years ago uh, um uh when did you first get the sense that that being an athlete and being a fighter was something that you had in you I mean, I started swimming a lot when I was like five, six in Sweden. Uh, my mom put me and my my brother into one of my brothers. Sorry, uh, the one that's just a bit older than me 
she they she put us into like swim classes and i was failing like so bad i couldn't even take a brand like one of those like things you get after like achieving a couple goals <laughs> Like I couldn't even. <laughs> Not a good swimmer. <laughs> no, I was a good swimmer. That's the thing. So uh, when my brother got those, he he got those, and I and I got really pissed. And I got like, okay, I want those too, you know. So I started to try harder, and I actually became a good swimmer <laughs> because he stopped this swimming, and I and I continued. And you know, my mom is just like super not super Persian, but she's definitely the more traditional of all of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, the rest of my family are not traditional at all. If you would met my dad, it would be, you know, weird because he's like the least religious, the least, you know, he's just a normal dude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My mom is like, my mom is like, yeah. So when, when I turned like 11, 12, I start to, you know, I started to get pretty toned. I'm, I'm, I'm not a small person i'm like five seven and i'm i weigh like yeah, 160 sorry one second mm -hmm. do you come from a an athletic family like are your parents very athletic is that was that something that came my naturally? dad was oh, not okay. my mom okay um, my dad my my older brother and sister were pretty athletic when they were younger not after like 18 okay uh, but my mom was like she was like when she see me getting like more tone more buff and you know what does swimming do they make you look a lot bigger you know like pretty toned like upper body right and right wide. you're you're broad so, yeah, yeah 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 so i started to get like pretty broad broad and you know um, i was training from like the age of five to eleven pretty hard and she was like you're getting broad shoulders <laughs> maybe you should stop swimming right. you, you know this like Persian thing, small. You should be like super tiny. L little, little did she know what was to come with the. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't know that this is all her fault. <laughs> she <laughs> probably knows, she, but go ahead, yeah. Yeah. So when she started saying that, I was like, "I'll show you. I will go start boxing instead, just because, just because." <laughs> was that really? So, was that really part yeah, of the consideration? Yeah. So wow. I found like a uh, because I always been this like I always since I was a kid I was always like because when we were in Iran and everything I was like 11 10 11 I think 11 ish when I was in Iran I, I, I've always been since I was a kid like super feminist you know I've always hmm. been like why do you think you're better than me because you're a dude you know right wait what do you but mean you were 11 like, when you were in Iran I thought you left when you were one no, but I, I we went back. That oh. was my first time that I went back. Okay, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, so I was visiting for two months, and uh, and and I always been this, you know, person that I, because I'm brought up in Sweden, I've never seen the difference between girls and boys. Right. I never seen a difference because for me it was like, what's the difference? Just you know, just their parents and everything. And, you know, uh, when they're trying to tell us, like, when we were there, okay, you're a girl, you should do this, you should wear it. I was like, I don't get this. I just, like, because maybe they thought I was stupid, but I was like, I don't get it. And I st and then when my mom told me that, yeah, maybe you should stop swimming, you're getting pretty broad shoulders, you're starting <laughs> to look like really dude, you know? And then I was like, okay, then I will stop boxing. Just because I'm <laughs> going to show you that I don't care. And then uh, I went to a local boxing gym, but then, you know, I started, you know, I always been interested in uh, individual sports 
that's why were you were you me. were you good at boxing right away i mean it, it's uh, was it obvious that this is going to be something that you're going to be really really good at i was pretty good as a youth i was really good actually uh i started competing just a few months after because when you're that young you you're learning like really quickly mm. when i was only 13 when i started so uh, i did the i think i did like 25 fights before i quit um I was really good as a youth, but when I came into like a junior and then senior, it started getting really a lot harder. Uh, I wasn't from a really good team, and I I tried to like I was only sixteen by then, and I tried to like switch teams and everything, but you know it didn't work out really good. And by the age of eighteen, I did like my last senior fight, and and then I just like didn't like it anymore because I didn't feel I was getting better and I wasn't getting any help. So, but I came, um, I, I made like uh, some uh, national team uh, trainings with the Swedish national team as a youth. But that was it. And about that time when I was 18, I started finding MMA mm-hmm. uh, and uh, in wrestling and everything. So I just like slowly left boxing and just uh, stopped doing boxing completely. A couple of steps back. I know you live in Malmo now, which is in the south. It's close to Denmark, close to Copenhagen. Yeah. uh, And it's a pretty big city. But when you guys first moved to Sweden, you were in a a small town or a small city, right? Yeah, just a smaller city, uh, Helsingborg. Helsingborg. It's just like 40 minutes away from Malmo. Okay. What what, what did the kids make of, I mean, especially once you start boxing, I mean, what... What did people make of you, this this girl with the Iranian parents living in a smaller town in in Sweden and becoming this boxer and uh, the national team? I mean, what how how do you how did um, other kids uh, treat you or think of you? I mean, uh, honestly, I don't think anybody had it really nice in school when they were like and when they were between like 10 and 13. I don't think anybody yeah. has been enjoying school or or classmates or anybody. I hear you. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. but what I felt after I started training and getting like super excited about training and nothing else, you know, besides school and training, uh, I noticed that, you know, the bullying stopped uh, because they, I, I guess they noticed that I didn't, you know, care anymore. Mm. because I had my mind focused on it, on something else. And I started to get more, you know, confident because I was getting in a lot better shape as, you know, a teenage girl. When you're like 14, you start getting 15. Okay, you start to, you know, feel better about yourself. Uh, so I guess that was a good thing for me, uh, especially coming from like kind of from a small town and everything. Uh, that helped me in school a lot. Penny, Actually. when when does it go from uh, something you do in extracurricular and your in your after school or on the weekends, or to something that you were focusing every day on in a big way? I mean, it wasn't supposed to be like this because when I started doing MMA at the age of eighteen, this was two thousand and ten. We didn't have that much MMA in Sweden. We have a couple of pros in Stockholm, uh, and. And I wasn't planning to be a pro. I wasn't planning to, you know, compete like in MMA. Uh, 
Because when I switched over from boxing, from doing that my whole teenage years, I wasn't expecting to, you know, do anything in MMA. Because first of all, we only had two females in Sweden that done pro, but they were like a bit older and they were going to quit. And I mean, I I could see that no, they weren't they weren't getting any attention, mm. and you know, uh, compared to the states, MMA for women in Sweden was like non-existing. But by 2014 and the, and thereafter, you're 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 winning fights and stuff. I mean, I can only imagine that you were training a lot, right? You, this isn't something you could do in your just in your spare time, kind of thing. No. So from the age of like from when I was like 17 18 until 28 i was training full-time and i was working full-time wow right because by then i couldn't you know uh i wasn't making enough money to live out of my sport and and i didn't get my first paying sponsor until 2019 and when did you when did you sign with ufc 2019 right (laughs) that's a whole other level right like to be a ufc fighter suddenly you have international recognition you you have credibility all of that right yeah and it's a shame because i I was fighting a lot earlier than that you know and i was doing a lot a lot of big fights Mm. before that uh, and invict fc and everything but you know I, i i went pro at 2012 and I by then understood that okay, I'm not gonna make money until later on. So I was still like working my ass off. Like uh, I was still working uh, full time. At one point, I had like three jobs and and training full time. Uh, so what were um, the jobs? What would you do while you were training? So um um I used to work as a car painter. Uh, <laughs> back from school. I used to work as a car painter in in like shops. My one of my dad's shops actually. I was pretty lucky <laughs> to get a job there. <laughs> and uh, and I was working security at night. Uh, and then I was doing like assistant nursing. The last years I was I was working. My last seven years I did assistant nursing at night. Uh, and then by then I was uh, quitting bouncing because the nursing job paid better. And uh, I had a few years that I worked like as a tutor in, in high school as well. So. It's quite a, quite a collection of jobs, car painting, security, <laughs> nursing, <laughs> covering various professions. Uh, so my I, last seven years was like night jobs, only night jobs, just because it was easier to uh, handle my training. How does, um, I'm going to ask you a bit about your mom and your parents and how they adjusted to your career choice, but, um, Mm -hmm. but tell me about how UFC, how that signing happened. It seems so huge. Did, do they come and scout you and, and is it a process that happens? You don't know my story with the UFC. Tell me. (laughs) It's been such up and down. So I applied for the first ultimate fighter ever for women in 2013 a year after I done my pro debut. And uh, I actually got in, uh, and this was when Rousey and Misha Tate were were coaches. I don't know how much you know about the Ultimate Fighter. Well, Ronda Rousey people know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but I got in in the Ultimate Fighter in 2013, got sick, so I couldn't 
participate. Um, the years went by, I kept fighting, uh, and then I got into the Ultimate Fighter 28 at 2018. So I was in the house fighting in there in Vegas. Uh, I got to the finals. That was pretty big uh, for being like the first ever Swedish fighter to come to a final. Uh, I lost the final and I was kind of surprised that UC didn't sign me even though I, because uh, usually when you participate in the Ultimate Fighter, uh, the two finals always get a contract. But surprisingly, I didn't get a contract. And I was already like 15 pro fights in. Mm. So that was a lot of pro fights. Um, so I went back home and I was like, fuck, this is the end. You know, I've been fighting for a long time now. This was 2018 and I was getting pretty, you know, sick of it. Mm. kind of i was getting kind of like because i was like okay so if if the biggest league like in the world when it comes to mma didn't sign me when they had this perfect opportunity and i was already fighting for them and they kind of cut me and i felt like shit this is gonna take i know how how this works and it's it takes a lot to get signed again sorry why did why didn't they sign you i don't get it I don't get it either. So that's the okay. <laughs> that's my long story with right, them. Right. Uh, so we don't we don't really know actually. So I have still like of if you compare me to like a lot of other girls, I had the most fights on the roster. Mm. I have the most like professional fights uh, and a good record as well. Uh, so for me, it was kind of like shocking. I was like, oh, you know, first I was like, I hate the UFC. I never want to fight again. And so I actually didn't. Like, I was training and everything. And, and then in Stockholm, I got an offer to fight in Stockholm. And I was kind of pissed to fight at home. Because I was kind of pissed because I was like, I'm, I'm UFC material. I'm not going to fight at a local you know, events yeah, because yeah. I was so pissed. Right. But they found me a pretty good opponent that was uh, just been fighting in big, in big organizations and everything. So I beat her. And then after that, you know, the UC was still not interested in me. Um, the weeks went by and I went off my night shift and I actually got a call to fly in to fight on the John Jones card in Vegas in 2019. So that's when I got my contract. It was kind of uh, a show to them too. Like you should have signed me from the beginning, but yeah. this is fine too. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is okay too. Uh, so yeah, uh, first ever Persian uh, female to get signed, but you see, uh, we had a couple guys, Reza Madadi, and um, I am pretty sure it was one more, but I can't remember. Mm. So. Well, that's yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's really. To tell me. Um, just let me ask you a couple of questions about being a fighter. What, first of all, a very simple, but what, what, what do you love about it? I mean, why is this such a passion for you? I mean, first it came from being this like cool thing that not many people do. You know, when I started, it wasn't really a big thing in Sweden. A couple of people were doing like, you know, pro fights. We had, we had Alexander Gustafsson and everything. And, you know, but then it became like a thing. Okay, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, shit, there's not many Swedish MMA, like female fighters. Mm-hmm. And I think I could be really good at this, you know? Uh, and then, you know, I've always been, you know, a training maniac. I always loved training. And uh, 
even though if I'm not gonna fight and everything, I mean, I'm I'm living like the the absolute uh, disciplined, dedicated life of like I always train twice a day, even though if I have a fight or not. Mm. It's just like my job, and it's something I. I always like when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an athlete and it just happened to be MMA, you know. How how, how long do you train for when you train twice a day? No, uh, a couple of hours a day. Okay. Uh maybe 1 hour in the morning, maybe 2 hours in the evening. Totally depends. I mean, if I'm in a camp or not, um I mean, basically my whole my whole day it just uh, is is about training, recovering, eating recovering eating so it's nothing else than that um, do you have to do you have to police your diet a lot or is it yeah, yeah yeah definitely especially now when i'm injured it's even more important for me not to get fat <laughs> <laughs> no but uh just I'm, I'm i'm scheduling my diet because i mean the most important thing is that for me to get like good food in my body or else i can't like perform i mean i can have a shitty day of training if i've been eating shit mm. So then I can't like perform to my fullest. You did an interview once where they asked you what your favorite food is and you said your mother's Persian food. Olivia. <laughs> There's not was, much of that. Yeah, you can't. I, I was thinking, <laughs> no. which which Koresh are you allowed to eat before the fight? No, shit. No, the, the only time I eat my mom's food basically nowadays is just like after, maybe on weekends or after a fight. I mean, I can't like, I can't eat that uh, food all the time, but, that won't work. Uh, you're killing me. I, I, I do I do eat it as much as I can. And uh, I know I probably shouldn't for those reasons. But, no, just uh, that it's because I know myself and, I'm, and I know after all these years, I know my body and I know that diet like for fights will be so much easier if I don't eat that food. So. <laughs> right, right. How, um, what, what, what in your view makes a great fighter? Two things, I, I think. Uh, three things. Three things. <laughs> Discipline, heart, and cardio. Three things. So discipline enough to be able to do the cardio. Because <laughs> mm. uh, I think uh, for a fighter, conditioning-wise is the most important thing. You can forget about technique and strength. Because you got to be able to last. Cardio, you got to be able to last. Is that, is that what yeah, that is? Yeah, of course. I mean, because if... I mean, I can definitely I'll beat somebody that's better than me technically because if she doesn't have the energy for it, I'm definitely going to beat her. Mm. Um, and heart, yeah, because you have to love to do it and you, sometimes you have to dig deep. So, C Can you tell me a bit about your mindset when you go, in the, when you go into a fight? You know, we've had, uh, had a few actually very accomplished um, uh, female Iranian martial arts champions right we've had farinoz alari yeah. and nasim varister um but that's karate and and you know i asked mm -hmm. someone like nasim well what is it like when you go when, when you go into a fight and she that's all about discipline in terms of not in, in terms of really controlling yourself i, I don't know about in mma uh, I, I mean it, it looks so raw you know i i well, tell me a bit about the mindset when you go into a fight are you in it to kill or do you have to maintain that discipline or what do you how do you psych yourself up i mean for us is the most important thing to uh be aggressive but like like you said, controlled because you can't go in there wild and just swinging because or else anybody on the streets could be able to be in an MMA, in an MMA fight. I mean, I, you have to be a really smart person. You have to be a smart fighter to be a good MMA fighter. Uh, because, I mean, 
it looks raw and everything, but it's a lot of technique. And I'm guessing for me, it's like a lot of like calmness because um, you have so much loud things around you, like in around the cage and everything. And, you know, people are there to, you know, see blood and everything. Uh, so it's easy to get really, you know, nervous and kind of like, um, yeah, like pretty stiff. Uh, so for me, it's more like to be relaxed and uh, just like, just enjoy the moment. When people ask me if I get nervous, I'm like, yeah, of course I get nervous. It feels like I'm going to, you know, piss my pants sometimes uh, when I go in there. But it feels <laughs> all, I always try to feel like or think like everybody are here to see me. So, <laughs> so everybody are here to see me perform. So I'm trying to enjoy the moment and, uh, you know, um, are you thinking, are you thinking technique the whole time or have you yeah, done? I do. That's you do? my problem. I think too much. Uh, I think too much like, well, it's not a problem, but I'm always thinking like in my head step by step. Uh, and that's a good thing because I'm not really that uh, reckless. Mm. As a fighter, I actually have people that told me, you know, coaches that told me you need to be more reckless. But I was like, I don't, I don't do reckless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a good technician, you know. I'm, I'm really good at, you know, what I do, and uh, I don't get reckless. But I could, you know, I just need, you just need to know when to turn it off and turn it on. You, you got a, you've got an amazing record. I mean, I. Uh, yeah, I, you know, you've only you've ever you've only ever been, been knocked out once in your career, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I only be TKO'd once, but yeah, I have a lot of fights. And, you know, it's, uh, I have one of the most like biggest records in Scandinavia, so I've been fighting a lot. Uh, so what? So what, what? What do you? What? What? If I mean, no tar off, you know, the the show's called mm -hmm. Rock. Be blunt, you know what? What is it that you think makes you so good? Mm, I put in a lot of time. To be honest, but I, 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 I'm pretty disciplined. Uh, pretty, I'm a lot. I'm really disciplined. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, I. Um, for me, even though I mean, I, I, I injured myself, and uh, I mean, I was in the gym the day after doing what I could do. You know, it's just like, and and sometimes, like, I'm, I'm gonna say, like, uh, training is not always fun. It's always like, you know, sometimes you feel like, shit, I do not want to change. I don't want to spark today. I don't want to do anything today. But it's just like a part of it. And just because I always had a dream when I was a kid that I wanted to be a good athlete. And uh, I mean, now I get the chance to live like a full athlete dream to yeah. be training every day. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, take advantage of that. And uh, especially when I got into the UFC, because I've seen a lot of teammates i've seen a lot of friends come into ufc and what they do when they go in there is that they kind of relax they sign the contract mm. and maybe they fight maybe they win maybe they don't win but they relax they're like okay i i, I reached the peak mm. of my career now i'm gonna chill and that's the problem is that you haven't reached anything just because you signed your first contract to come into ufc you reach your peak when you're a champion in your weight class and you decide to quit that's when you reach your peak mm -hmm. you you haven't reached your peak just because you just became a ufc fighter because when i got into ufc i i told i went up to the management like to the matchmakers and said you will not regret signing me and i'm gonna win all my fights that's what I 
So I love it. I love it. Yeah. And even when you were injured, that what you tweeted was, "Don't worry, I'm still going to be become number one." Yeah, uh, and, I am going to be number. And, and 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 that's the funny thing. Like when when I say that, some people laugh at me. I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna. This is going to be hilarious in a few years." <laughs> <laughs> you this know, it's going to be super fun. <laughs> uh, I, I'm so grateful. I, I know it's uh, it's late there in Stockholm, and and. You know, you've got this surgery tomorrow. I'm really grateful that you've, you're making the time for us. Thanks for doing this. Before I let no, you go. I'm happy that I can talk to you guys before I do my surgery because I've been a bit nervous. So, uh, uh, but it's okay. Good. Well, this is, uh, we distracted you for a little bit. Let me yeah. ask you about identity before I let you go because yeah. um, it it will not be, you know, there's no, no Iranian around the world that's going to miss this. When you are out there publicly, it's no surprise that you're repping Sweden because you grew up in Sweden. You've been there yeah, for 29 years of your life. But you also always have an Iranian flag. You always um, mm-hmm. talk about being Iranian. You're very proud of your Persian background and you wear it very publicly despite leaving Iran when you were only a year old. Why, why do you feel such a profound impulse to identify as Iranian? Mm. I just feel that, uh, you know, you should never forget where you came from and everything. And uh, I mean, I always have like an Iranian background. And after been in, you know, visiting Iran when I was younger, I was like, because I didn't get it before I was there. I didn't get it. Uh, but I kind of like, I see, especially for being a female, I've been mm. there and I've seen, you know, how women work and what the differences are between women and men. Mm. And for me, it's super important that okay so i am one of those that can be in sweden doing what i love but there's so many iranian women that can't do that and i'm not really repping oh you know only iran like the country i'm repping like people Mm. it's not like oh this is the best country in the world because let's be honest it's not it's not the best country to live in it's not like you know Mm -hmm. but it's just like the uh like where my parents came from because and because Iran was was a free country when my parents grew up you know and they tried to make the best out of it for us and I'm really happy that they took us to Sweden really happy about that but I'm never gonna forget like I'm I'm repping Iran and and I mean the Iranian flag just because of you know people and I want them to know that yeah it, it doesn't matter if if I'm you know I'm, I'm proud to be an Iranian woman Mm. And I, that's why I want to rep it. Yeah, you might have a little more trouble getting into UFC if you were still in Iran. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that wouldn't right. even happen. Because yeah, women. I, I don't even know. If, like I, I, I've seen that the the women have been training by themselves in Iran, but mm. you know, it's even though that I can't, I can't like uh, walk in with my flag in the UFC fights because. Uh, of the Shiro Horshid yeah, flag. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, but let me yeah. let, let me explain that you usually have the Shiro Horshid flag, um, which is the, the, the lion and sun flag, uh, which is all through the, from the Gajar to the, the Pahlavi um, eras, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have it on you or near you. You even have one, I've, I noticed on your car, you have a, yeah. a, a Shiro <laughs> Horshid. Uh, um, it was my sponsor. When he gave me the car, he put an, Swedish flag, and he put, he actually took the right flag without me telling him. Wow. I don't even know how he did that. But why? Tell me why it's important for you to have that flag, and why why it causes trouble, or why you can't bring it in when you're fighting. Well, 
first of all, it's not uh, uh, it's not approved by the UN the flag anymore because mm-hmm. it's an old flag. Right. It's not like because because you can't have it in Iran because they have the Islamic flag, right? Right. Uh, and the Islamic flag is nothing that I stand for. Nothing. It doesn't make any sense mm. for me. Mm. And uh, and just that. Um, uh, I remember I do. I was doing my pro debut, and I asked my dad, "Oh, can you give me an Iranian flag?" And you know, my dad is the right person to ask. <laughs> so he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I have to fix that one. It's going to take some time." I'm like, "Why don't you just, you know, how how hard can it be?" And then he came and he gave me the flag, and he gave me the one with the with the lion, and that's when he explained to me. I was like. Yeah, that was good that you gave me the flag, because or else I would have gone the wrong flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, and yeah, that's why I can't walk in with it mm. uh, because of like rules of the uh, UN and everything. And uh, uh, the UC doesn't mind that. It's not. No, that I was going to say like who's going to who is actually. I mean, maybe I'm being naive, but it, who's noticing this at a at a? I mean, who? I mean. I, I think just because the flag is not approved, I don't I think see. they want any trouble. I see. And it's right. gonna it's, it's shown on TV and everything. Of course, and of it's course. weird. Right, but when right. I was on Ultimate Fighter, they didn't say anything. I just walked in with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always repping the two flags because I mean, I mean, I've been in Sweden most of my life. Mm. So, Pony, do you hear from people on social media from from Iran? I mean, that I'm sure people around the world are Iranians are aware of you. Uh, especially because you wear that so proudly. What 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 do you hear from Iranians, and and how does that affect you? How does it make you feel? I mean, I basically hear only good stuff, and and if if I look on a statistic, um, my biggest fans is is actually Iran by far the greatest, mm. like even more than the Swedish ones. So it's I have the most fans in Iran, the states, and then actually last week. <laughs> it's a smaller country so right, um, right. much smaller yeah, country, yeah so i get a lot of good good uh, response from iran and there's sometimes some guys writing something in farsi and that you have to translate and then you're like ugh, you know but it's like super rarely and to be honest i don't if if they were at anything bad, I wouldn't even care. Like I have so many people writing, mm. you know, when I put up that teeth picture, like a lot of people, like uh, you know, they didn't care. A lot of Iranians, they didn't care. They just thought it was cool. But there's always somebody, you know. But I don't give a fuck. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's clear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and tell me about, um, so, and tell me about your, your parents. I mean, I, I'm now, you got me curious about your mom since she, My uh, mom is special. she, 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 it's, it is to her that you owe your career as a, uh, what, what went from a rebellious, uh, antic to, to a career for you. Um, how does she feel? They've got to be proud of you as in the discipline yeah. you've shown and, you know, the champion I mean, you've become. And talk to me about that. My mom is proud and everything, but she still doesn't like the actual fighting. But my dad has been my biggest supporter for all years. He's been like, when I had ups and downs, when I when I was about to quit and everything, he was the one that made me not quit because he he used to be an athlete, so he gets it. And he all he's always been like that. No marriage, no this, no that. You just focus on career, only sports. You know, he's always been like that. Wow. 
Yeah. That's pretty lucky to have him. Yeah, because I know I know a lot of like close friends, close friends that have problems with that stuff. Yeah. When yeah. it comes to even now, like twenty twenty two. You, <laughs> I I don't know if I'm out of date, but you, uh, a couple of years ago at least, you had a boyfriend who was also a fighter. Are you mm. are you guys still together? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I like how you you had to think about it. No. <laughs> you weren't no, sure. No, no, no. Right. I mean, I have I have a boyfriend now since like six years back. If it's uh, that guy, you mean? So no, yeah, it was a guy. It was like a couple of years ago. There was some uh, you know documentary that there was about you and and your boyfriend was in it as well. Yeah, that's Elas. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Okay, okay. but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's him. So you yeah. could you could find love amongst the the fighting community. Yeah, yeah. We we met in training. Uh, he's he's originally from Kosovo. And we actually came to Sweden the same year, mm. so in '93. Uh, yeah, he fights too, and he, he he helps me in my training and my camp and everything. Right, right. So. Do you know uh, something that I thought was amazing about you that <laughs> uh, um, your favorite band or one of your favorite bands is Pantera? Yeah, which, I love Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so out of the I mean it's like an 80s heavy rock band you know yeah. uh, which was way before your time I mean I know who Pantera are but uh, I don't even know you know how did you discover Pantera because I was a metalhead when I was a teenager I was going around all Sweden to watch metal concerts and and just because I stopped going to concerts because uh, my training started to get more serious than anything it, it else, makes so. me really, really like you. You know, the first Iranian, <laughs> first Iranian girl I found who was a Pantera fan, yeah, but <laughs> who, I, I who would name check Pantera as their favorite band. I mean, it's very, it's very fun for me. You know, that's. A, I have a, a Persian metal band that's been following me for a long time, and I can't remember the name now. But they oh. yeah. Are they Persian from LA? Metal. Are they the, that LA uh, metal band? Uh, I have to check because I don't know, but they do Persian metal, so that's pretty cool. That is cool. That <laughs> is. Cool. Yeah, that's that's who yeah. you should be repping. Find the Persian yeah. metal band and promote them. That's um, it's great to talk to you. Tell me about uh, tell me about if if we have this if we chat again. I mean, in the interview format. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll chat many times, and I'll, I can't wait to see you fight live. But if we if I interview you, say five years from now, yeah, what do you what do you hope you will have accomplished in in your your fighting career at that point yeah i mean ufc champ 135 pounds definitely five years yeah earlier but yeah we can chat about it in five years we'll chat about it earlier i'm looking forward to cool. it nice congratulations on all that you've Thank done you. sorry to hear about the injury take care of yourself <laughs> uh get better Thank and you so uh, much for the chat. Uh, it's been fantastic I, I i hope we do it again thanks for taking the time Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. That's Pani Bonsai Kianzad, an Iranian-Swedish mixed martial artist and the first and only Iranian-born woman to ever be signed by UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, in the women's bantamweight division. We reached Pani Kianzad in Stockholm, Sweden today. All right, microphone's back on for Captain Reza Groovy Shy and the fabulous Keon. Um, man, Panny is a uh, 
I'm so proud of her. You're proud of her. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched the the April fight. It was the first time I discovered her. I, I usually watch the UFC with my younger brother. You do? Yeah. yeah, and he pointed out, he's like, you know she's Iranian? I was like, no way. Well, obviously her last name gives it away, yeah. but you know, I'm just so proud. Yeah, it's it. I'm thinking about the fortitude that someone has to have. Yeah. We talk about this oftentimes, you know, in terms of... Uh, First of all, to just be become a UFC mm. fighter at that level, you have need a lot of fortitude. But then to be a kid from Ahvaz in Incredible. Sweden who yeah. works her way up to to this with her the t- determination and against her mother's wishes. How, how about that part? Oh, Did that man. resonate with you? <laughs> Did it ever? <laughs> I like like her when I was younger. I grew up with two brothers, and I was always really rough. And I was like, of course, I'm going to be an athlete. Like mm. that's that's my life path. Um, I was in soccer and I was really doing well. And my mom took me out of soccer because my thighs were getting too muscular. <laughs> so, wow. so I, I can relate to what Panny is mm. saying. Um, and I mean, I, I went against my mom and just worked out more at the gym, I guess. Mm. But I never became a UFC fighter, obviously. Um, so, what did you think about the where she's talking about? We were talking about appearance, which I, which mm. was an awkward. Uh, as an yeah. interviewer, you never want to say, "Wow, well, oh, what about your appearance?" As <laughs> right, a woman. Right, right. But it's it's relevant here because, mm-hmm. first of all, it's a brutal sport where and yeah. she posts these pictures of herself with blood and no mm-hmm. teeth and all of that. Um, but also because, as an Iranian, uh, the pressure on Iranian women to look yeah. a certain way and to do yourselves up and all of that stuff. I mean, it was so interesting to hear. She's very clear about uh, not giving any oxygen to that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's refreshing. I don't think I've met an Iranian woman like her. Like every single Iranian woman I've met really, really cares about their appearance. So mm. it's, it's just very, it's interesting. <laughs> you got, let me open up to the boys. Uh, speaking of people who care about their appearance, Captain Reza. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of boys who care about their appearance. That is true. And I feel proud and embarrassed at the same time that I didn't know her before this. But uh, like a a testament to sheer willpower and not giving up. I love when she she was uh, talking about, uh, she was reminiscing stories of her mom telling her, oh, you're going to break your face. They're going to lose your beauty. And she said, well, I'm not that pretty to begin with. Mm -hmm. At least I want to do. You see that confidence. She Mm -hmm. is beautiful. Every woman is beautiful in their own way because every flower is unique in its own way. But it's the ability. Realize Hafez yeah. hey, the conversation. Listen, man. Yeah, I got uncomfortable for a minute. <laughs> Why? It's a good. As soon as you see that, Omar Khayyam is finished. Uh, <laughs> oh my God! Stop for a long. Go on. He was doing so. As well. soon yeah. as yeah. I get nice and I start yeah. to say something good, you see, it doesn't work. No, no, please. You were doing great. Oh, every, flower a, every flower has a. Every flower has a petal. <laughs> <and> I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in the same like in the same sense like every human being is the same thing like you got to acknowledge what you're good at and what you're oh, she was being is. overly modest she I doesn't know, look but bad at all it, no. she's, of course. she's wonderful yeah yeah but the fact that she realized that within herself and she was like this is what I want to do yeah. the point is there's amazing. no way amazing. all of us i mean in the, in the especially in the social media world think yeah. about mm-hmm. like um filters and all the you know people messing with the color and the (laughs) the using apps to change the way their eyes look and whatever there's no way to hide as a ufc fighter (laughs) you know you're not going to be able to filter anything (laughs) you know so it's part of the gig it's like you you know you you are exposed Mm -hmm. uh i mean there's so much 
that, that makes her strong. That I mean, I we shouldn't just focus on the appearance. But for it's me, that what is that? Like, what is that power? What is that sense of curiosity that makes you go? Uh, no, I'm, I can't do it. Like, what is the difference between me and the champions UFC fighter? Even though I'm from Ahvaz, even though I'm an immigrant to move to, like, you know, what is that energy? What is that coming a fuck, from? I think just going into the ring and just not caring about anything, but the fight. Well, also not giving up. Mm. Yeah. Didn't she say that? I mean, so you got to keep, you know, she she's, I mean, it's interesting. We, we just, the, this is a person we just interviewed who's injured. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and the, the last thing she just said to me was, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be the champion. I mean, she was. you know, and so she, and, and I have no doubt that she's willing to make all the sacrifices that, you know, getting up early, working out, you know, doing all that, watching what you eat, what all the things that you have to do to be a champion. I think that's, that's what separates people yeah. from the pack. Right? And I don't know if this is inappropriate, but I think it's so much hotter, like what yeah. she's doing than, uh, you know, a woman that gets plastic. Like, this is yeah. just me talking mm-hmm. like, I, like her passion for the sport is so sexy to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and to be honest, I sometimes fantasize about being a UFC fighter. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know actually. when you walk out to that music? Mm. That's so cool. You'd be good. Yeah. I think uh, you'd yeah. be good. In yeah. another life. Yeah. Next life. Yeah. Uh, the Shia, your, your, your uh, yeah. silence it's is speaking volumes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it's hard to be her mom, actually, to mm. see like her daughter get punched. Mm. Yeah. It's really hard to be her mom. And mm. if I put myself in the point of view of her mom, mm-hmm. it would be like, but you know Shia, every flower has a petal <laughs> <laughs> and every petal can be a well done. lovely uh, <laughs> all right petal. Let, let Reza finish <laughs> Keon, you wanted to uh, start uh, practicing martial arts <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, what did I didn't say anything <laughs> every flower in its own way is beautiful <laughs> Why did it almost sound dirty in a way? Now watch. You're going to get so many angry letters. People are going to be so angry. It's okay, guys. I forgive What are they going to be angry at? For all his ruthless comments towards... (laughs) You? (laughs) That's right. No, I do get that from my mother. Um, Why are you... Reza is such a nice boy. (laughs) You see? No, it's funny because this is like basically... Like we have a character on the show. In reality, we are very different. We're friends, brothers, sisters. But it was so funny because Gian and I went to this party. A mutual friend uh, of ours uh, had invited us. And uh, there was a random <laughs> person there who was a fan of the show. She saw him. She was like, oh, my God. It's so good seeing you, blah, blah, blah. Huge fan of the show. Gian showed up. And then she turned to Gian and was like, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it was so funny. So I used like to get no, that, but to be honest, I, this because <laughs> I do this sort of sarcastic yeah, yeah, yeah. banter. I used to get that on on Q on my old show on CBC all the time too, because I had a few char- few yeah. people characters, and the, people would just say, "Do you guys hate each other?" And I'd be like, "No, we're really close friends." <laughs> oh, man, because you seem like you're always angry on the, you know. And I'm like, yeah. Isn't I mean, this? I guess it's the sarcasm that isn't always understood. Oh, oh, in, <laughs> that's right. In the Iranians, certain cultures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but also like uh, Reza, you if you kind of. Uh, I explained this to my mom. You know, it's like if 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 you if you meet Reza, like he's you know he's confident and yeah. kind of a good-looking guy, very tall and bit of a cad. Like hey, well, you know, so you, you you know the idea of making fun of him is different from I if he was some it. like trollish little yeah, nerd guy and like because they it. think he's like you know a little Reza like no no because he sounds like a you know munchkin kind of you know. <laughs> no, but uh, when they see me, like first like impression, I look very nice and quiet. 
like I'm like very polite. What? I uh, never thought like. that of you. <laughs> I think anyway, sorry, Shia, please, before we were interrupted by the poetry of uh, <laughs> uh, you were saying, you know, just that, that it's difficult to be uh, Panny's mom. Um, anyway, I mean, the, this, this beyond the appearance thing and everything, the, the idea of messing with stereotypes, you know, it's, um, I, I love that the, the breadth of people we get to speak to on this program because it really messes with the idea of, of who and what an Iranian is or has to be. You know what the big part of this one was for me? You heard What's me that? just on the interview. She's a Pantera fan. That, oh, that was crazy. That's so cool. What, I'm sorry, you know, what the fuck what is, is Pantera? Pantera? Yeah, that, that's that. why it was crazy to me because I didn't know what it was. So I had to look oh, it really? up. I, I don't know. Pantera was, is, is like a heavy... Okay, I heard what she was saying. It was a heavy rock... Rock like, band, like de- right. death metal band. Like, but you like, know, is this a, are they known? Or is this yeah, well, they, well, well, for sure, for heavy rock fans. Oh, okay. But but it's they're from the <laughs> 80s and 90s, yeah. first of all. And... It's just such a funny thing. It's like yeah. it's I I. You wouldn't think it's of a such Persian a white that, person thing, right, to, you know, right. like Pantera. Yeah. You know, like it's not something I would ever yeah. ascribe to any immigrant necessarily. Let it's alone, like, is it I'm like, sure there's some wonderful Pakistani Pantera fans. I don't think I've <laughs> ever met one of them. You know, but so, is it like a white person liking Bijan and Mortazavi music? Like, is yeah, it yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's like that. It's like that. Okay, it's like at, way out of context. Yeah, okay. Like Pantera, what? <laughs> and also just from it's another era, sort yeah. of. And you know, it's kind of like when I was a kid, it was. Pantera, you know, yeah. she's only yeah. thirty now or something. So, so on. she's yeah. not your typical Persian. That's no, for sure. it's fantastic. Which I love. Fantastic. I love it. Um, all right, I'm excited. We're going to bring uh, Rastok awesome. into uh, our studio. So, thank you, Keon, Reza, Shia. Let's get set up. Let's bring Rastok in. Sounds of Combi's Mirzai doing the Rook theme. Okay, my returning feature guests, this time in the Rook studio, are an internationally recognized Iranian roots and folk ensemble known for their fantastic live performances. They put out a new album just a few months ago. Take a listen to this. Okay. 
There you go. From their new album, Dance with Rastok, that's the song Camare. My guests today are members of one of the most distinguished, acclaimed, and popular Iranian bands in Persian contemporary folk music with the mission to collect, record, and interpret traditional Persian folk music for audiences worldwide. Rastok Music Group was formed by Siomak Sepedi along with Farzad Moradi back in 1997. They've released six albums since then, merging traditional instruments and forms with contemporary rhythms. They are devoted to the preserving and spreading of Persian folkloric music. Rastok are just coming off a big concert here in Toronto this past weekend. And right now, members of Rastok join me in the Rook studio. In the studio with me are Siomak Seperi, the band director and tar player, uh, Farzad Moradi, the vocalist and instrumentalist, Behzad Moradi, the vocalist and instrumentalist, Dina Dusti, the Kamonche player, Magic, Majid Pusti, also magical, Pusti, the percussionist, and uh, Behzad Punaki, the band manager. Hello! Hi. 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 Hello. Welcome to Canada. Welcome to Canada. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. How are you all doing? Do you still love each other? <laughs> After all the travel, is it possible? <laughs> You look scared by that question. Yeah, you can't be tired. Are you, uh, do you still love each other? Oh, it's very hard. Ten people from Turkey and Canada. You're traveling, you're playing. I know it can be difficult, but you seem to still be in good spirits. You're still happy. All right. No one wants to answer that question. I, I love that song. Uh, and I love what it says about Rastok. That's a Kurdish song from the 1960s. And you talk about how the rhythm of that song uh, envisions the Kurdish people. Um, it's fantastic. And Farzad and Behzad, you trade vocals in that one, in Kamere. Um, you two are such amazing vocalists and you're brothers. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to ask you this before. Did you sing together growing up? I mean, where did this begin? Go ahead, Farzadji. Uh, 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 یه مقداری جریان داشته نه به صورت حرفه ای مادرم صدای خیلی خوبی داشتن و پدرم همینطور و ما توی منطقه کردستان و کرمانشاه یه ساز محلی داریم به اسم تنبور که ساز آینیه توی بیشتر خونه ها این ساز هستش و یه سری ملودی ها و مقام هایی با اون ساز اجرا میشه که همراه با خوندن هستش و ما در واقع از بچگی یه جورایی همین طوری بدون اینکه کلاسی بریم چون توی خونمون این ساز بود شروع کردیم یاد گرفتن و و باش هم میخوندیم دیگه آروم آروم خیلی عجیبی که در یک فامیل دو تا پسر یه وایس اینقدر عجیبی داشته باشن که هنر اینقدر داشته باشن it's really amazing شما محسنتری برزا جون بله با اجازتون من که نمیدونم you look the same بله من خیلی محسنتر نه من شیش سال بزرگتر از بساد هستم ولی خب فکر کنم دوازه سال بزرگتر نشون میدم نه شما شروع کردی خوندن من یه برادر بزرگتر از خودم دارم که ایشونم بالا ساز میزنن و میخونن 
ولی نه به صورت حرفه اون برادر چرا دعوت نکردی سیاوک من خودم خب به خاطر علاقه خیلی زیادی که به موسیقی داشتم و از طریق یکی از دوستانم با سیامک آشنا شدیم به صورت جدی تر دنبال موسیقی اومدم و دیگه زندگیم در واقع موسیقی شد خب به جون از طرف شما قصه چیه؟ اول سلام به همه همراهان رو سلام همون داستانی که فرزاد گفت اتفاق افتاد توی خانواده مجبور که نه شروع میکردیم به ساز زدن و خوندن دیگه کار دیگه ای نداشتیم همون تنبور بود بعدش دیگه اتفاقی که برای من افتاد مثل بقیه داستانهی که توی زندگیمون بوده که مثلا جنگ چطوری مسیر زندگی ما رو عوض کرده همینجوری اصلا اون توی خانواده ما پرکاشنی نبود کوبهی زدنی نبود که اصلا اونم من نمیدونم چطوری من شروع کردم به اصرار از خانواده که یه ساز برای من بگیرین من بزنم این داستانه که اتفاق افتاد بعدش دیگه این شروع بحانه ای بود برای شروع این که خب همش پیش فرزاد باشم ساز بزنم باش بعدش دیگه جدا شدیم که فرزاد رفت سربازی و داستانه دیگه که با آشنایش با سیامک در روقه باعث شد به رشته موسیقی رو بخونه بعدش هم دوباره در ادامه همون اتفاقات عجیب قریب من اومدم تهران اجازه دادن بچه ها لطف کردن که کنارشون باشم بخونم فرزادم حالا خوشش نمیاد چرا خوشش نمیاد آخه خوندن شما مثل که خیلی بهتره دیگه بهترش دود میکشه حالا من یه چیزی جالب بگم برای اینکه فضا واقعا یه مقدار سمیمیتر اینکه ما من خب اولین اجره سرنایم فکر میکنم سال 1367 بودش با گروه های موسیقی مدارس در واقع ام. کار میکردیم هم میخوندم هم تنبور میزدم من یادم زمانی که دبیرستان بودم از زمانی که راهنمایی هم بودم بهزاد که دبستان بود من تو گروه هایی که خودم ساز میزدم بهزادم میآوردم من یادم تو دبیرستان آره تو دبیرستان که حالا ساز میزدم بهزاد دوره راهنمایی بود با ما اصلا اومد رو استیج یواشکی آوردیمش تو گروه به عنوان تیم خودمون رد کردیم قیافش نمیخورد به مثلا سن ما ولی خب اجرا میکردیم با هم Um, بچه فکر میکنم شما ها لازم نیستین I'll just do this with best نه نه یه چیزی you played at uh, it was brilliant seeing you perform at the Tammuz uh, festival here in Toronto uh, and you I was, I was watching you and I was thinking you seem to take care in your set list to, to present a wide array of different folk styles and roots music from various parts of Iran Um, and I wonder while you develop the set list for each concert, Siamakshan, is it important to take note that do you, you want to make sure that different styles are represented at each concert? Um, we have a repertoire that we have to do with the 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 rep
مخاطبمون داره بستگی به این داره که اصلا فضای اون اجرا چی باشه مثلا اون اجرایی که قبل از اجرای تورنتو داشتیم برای یه جشنواره فیلم بود فکر کردیم خب با توجه به مخاطباشون که خب یه مخاطبی بود که خیلی ربطی به اون مخاطبایی تا حالا ما باشون اجرا براشون در واقع اجرا کرده بودیم نداشتن خیلی متفاوت بودن خیلی هیجان انگیز بود برامون خب سعی کردیم قطعاتی که انتخاب میکنیم یه کمی راحتتر ارتباط برقرار کنه ولی خب مثلا برای اجرای تورنتو چون بخش زیادی از مخاطبین ایرانی بودن خب باز چیزایی انتخاب کردیم که براشون خاطر انگیزتر باشه و حالا جذابیت داشته باشه در رابطه با خود رستاک برای همین بله دقیقا بر مبنای فضای کنسرت و نوع مخاطبمون قطعات و رپرتوار انتخاب کی تصمیم میگیره شعرهایی که به جای خیرد جمعی با جنگ جمعی Dina is nodding badly, badly, badly. Dina, go ahead. Tell us the tell us the truth, Dina. یا من اینجا توی این مواقع جمله دارم میگن که همه نظراتتون رو بدین البته اگه نظر بیشتر هر چیزی باشه دلیل نیست اون بشه خودم تصمیم میگیرم من تصمیم گرفتم از قبله نه ولی ما همه نظراتمون رو میگیم <laughs> it's a very Iranian form of democracy. It's where we're used to this kind of democracy in Iran. I think that the strategy for the Iranian perspective is that every person has a strategy. Strategy is your motion. چرا میرسم اون فقط خیلی برای استراتژی پیچیده ای بچینم براش یعنی اینکه زمان میبره آره یعنی اینکه مثلا از قبل باید بهونه تراشیایی بکنی بگی که مثلا سیما جان مثلا این قطعه رو اگه نذاریم اینجوری میشه یه ساز کمتر میشه مثلا تو حمل و نقل فلان اینطوری ارنو <laughs> بعد دینا میگه اجرا کنیم فرزاد میگه اجرا نکنیم بهزاد میگه اجرا کنیم به هر ترتیب حالا مثلا سه نفر میگن اجرا نکنیم سه نفر میگن اجرا کنیم طبعا من باید یه چیز اون آخر بگم دیگه بیشتر اون چیزی که میگم در جهت این باید باشه که وقتی اون نتیجه رو گفتم این ستا با اون ستا کتک کاری نکنم من بیشتر نقش کتک خورم اون چیزو دارم مثلا اگه بگم اجرا کنیم 
وینا و فرزاد و بهزاد خوشحال میشن اونایی که ناراحتن قیافه میگیرن اگه بگم اجرا نکنیم خیلی سخته دیپلومسی you guys are crowd pleasers like the audience goes crazy and there it's clear that there's a mission with rastock i mean it's a performance it's a performance to get people um excited and and cheering and you you use every angle there's dancing there's fun moments there's a um is that is that part of the goal in other words if you have a very um a quieter song where the the the, the crowd is going to be more aroom do you avoid playing that do you not want to play that ما تو راستاک البته قطعاتمون بیشتر قطعاتیه که در واقع یه کمی انرژی مردم رو بیشتر بکنه مم. انرژی بدیم بهش و انرژی هم بگیریم ولی قطعات آروم هم داریم هم خودمون خیلی دوست داریم هم قطعا مخاطب دوست داره ولی خب زیادم شده اجرا بکنیم تو کارامون باشه اما خیلی ریاکشن هایی که از مخاطبای مختلف تو جاهای مختلف میگیریم مثلا تورنتو اروپا حالا هر کنسرتی که میریم خیلی ممکنه بعضی وقتا فرق بسته به اون ریاکشنی که از مخاطب هیت سالیان گرفتیم بسته به اون مثلا هستش که الان خب یه سری قطعاتو بیشتر میزنیم بیشتر اجرا میکنیم قطعات آرومو یه کمی نه اینکه خودمون دوست نداشته باشیم دوست داریم ولی بعضی جاها جواب نمیده بعضی جاها چرا مردم دوست دارن یه قطعه رو ساکت بشینن گوش کنن حسشو دریافت کنن ولی معمولا وقتی اون شروع هیجان رو به مخاطب میدی گرفتنش سخته و دوباره برگردن اون So in Toronto, you said Azerbaijan, and everyone was, ah, there was a, a big Azeri crowd. Uh, do some groups tend to get louder than others in terms of their enthusiasm? I mean, is it always the Azeris that, that, that get excited like that? That's a little bit, the different kind of cheers. Tell me about that. ما یه معزل معزل شیرینیه در واقع برای همین انتخاب رپرتوارمون که خب ایران خیلی تنوع فرنگی داره و قطعا یه قومیتی از قلم میفته که مثلا اجرا نکنیم ما مثلا یه تجربه داشتیم توی سوئد تو استکهلم که اجرا تموم شد یکی از هموطنامون اومدن و گفتن که من بلوچ هستم و 300 کیلومتر دورتر آه. از اینجا اومدم فقط به خاطر کنسرت رستاک و میخوام قطعه بلوچی رو بشنوم و ما اصلا حتی تمرینم نکرده بودیم <تصفيق> چون برای اون رپرتوار تمرین کرده بودیم سازاش هم نیاورده بودیم بعد گفتیم چی کار کنیم گفت من از اینجا خارج نمیشم و این, این اجرا رو نبینم بعد گفتیم چیکار کنیم ما که تمرین نکردیم ما که سازا رو نیاوردیم بعد شروع کردیم با همون سازه خودمون اون چیزهایی که در خاطرمون بودی قطع بلوچی اجرا کردیم اونقدر خوشحال شدن و عشق تو چشماشون جمع شد و, جمع و حس خیلی خوبی هم به جمعیت منتقل شد 
we talked the Farazan, we talked last time about this about um, the fact that you are you guys are part musicians and artists, part archaeologists, part historians, part ethnomusicologists, um, and that there's a great cultural responsibility that comes with that. Farzad, you talked about how you aim to get every word and vocal sound right to represent the culture and do honor to the the, the old songs from different groups. Uh, is that true for all the instrumentation? Like, Majid, how careful are you to make sure that you're playing the dohol part exactly historically correctly? Um, ببین منابع الهامی هند در حقیقت موسیقی فولکلور ایران برای رستاک و اونقدری الزامی نیستش که اینن همون استایل رو داشته باشه همون زرائفی که توی اون منطقه اتفاق میافته در رابطه با اون ساز اتفاق بیافته مثال بزنم مثلا همین دوهلی که ما روی استیج با خودمون میبریم خب این دوهل اصلا دوهل ابداعی خود راستا که طبعا ما مجبور شدیم که مثلا یه دوهلی درست بکنیم که بشه همه جا کار کرد پیکاپ بخوره به لحاظ فنی صوتی و بقیه سازمون هم همینطور خصوصا تو پرکاشن ها خیلی بیشتر اینطوریه ولی when people are critical are they more critical about lyrics or the vocal than they are about the instrumentation it sounds like you have more latitude in terms of the way what you can do instrumentally نه بله دقیقا همینطور در حقیقت زبان و لحجه برای فرزاد بهزاد اعداش خیلی سختره تا سا قسمت سازی ماجرا و خب خیلی تحقیق میکنن و دقت میکنن بچه ها من همیشه دیدم چرا؟ بهتر خودشون جواب بدن ولی فکر میکنم خیلی چیز خوبیه It's very honorable that you want to get everything right ولی از یه لحاظ فکر میکنم چرا؟ اصلا چرا why not just do your own versions of everything you don't, you don't, you don't have to be responsible for you know to be the cultural ambassadors of, of everything میتونی هر کاری میخونی خودتون بکنین دیگر چرا اینقدر دقت میکنین که لیریک ها همینطوری باشن و آهنگ ها اینا برای ما که مثلا حالا موسیقی کردی رو بیشتر شنیدیم از بچگیمون در رفع یه وقتایی بوده که یه قطعی رو حالا شعرش عوض شد و اجرا شده در مجموع که اتفاق خاصی نیست ولی همیشه برای ما این حسه بود اه مثلا این قطعه کردیه که حالا اینجوری اجرا شده احساس بکنیم خب یه بخشی از ما رو مثلا بردن حالا دیگه یه جور دیگه نشونش دادن از نگاه درون فرهنگی داره بزرد یعنی ما خودمون چون یه در واقع بومی منطقه هستیم و با عنوان یه کرد داریم راجع به ملودی های کردی right. که حالا توسط کسان دیگه استفاده شده و مثلا شعر فارسی استفاده شده رو همون ملودی من خودم عنوان یه کرد همیشه دوست داشتم که این اتفاق بیفته با زبان کردی اشرافشه mm. که مشخص باشه این ملودی از دل کدوم فرنگ در اومده right. Also it's because there's not a thousand bands doing what you do so you have to that that's the part about preservation yani to, to really preserve uh, and to carry a tradition on that doesn't work for others um let me talk, ask you guys about this trip to canada because you not only played in toronto but you did this indigenous film festival this is a first nations film festival on manitoulin island which is 
Manitoulin is about five hours north of um, Toronto. It's exactly it's, six and a half. Okay, six and a half. <laughs> oh, you guys know how? Yeah, uh, it's pretty far, and it's also uh, it's really in nature. You're not you weren't in a city. Uh, I when I heard you were playing this, I loved the idea that this Iranian um, band that is about preserving the and and spreading the the gospel, if you will, of, of Iranian folk music is playing um, for and with an indigenous crowd who uh, were here long before anybody else in, in Canada and have their own musical traditions. Um, Dina, first you, tell, tell me how it was for you. How did, how did you experience that festival? این یه فستیوالیه که حالا اینجوری که فهمیدیم هر سال سعی میکنن یک بند فولک از یک جای دنیا بیارن برای اینکه هم فرهنگ خودشون رو خیلی خیلی زیاد دوست دارن بشناسونن به هر کسی که میاد اونجا زبونشون و فرهنگشون و تاریخشون رو همین که دوست دارن خیلی یاد بگیرن میپرسن دوست دارن گوش کنن آشنا بشن و تو کامینیکیت باشن با فرهنگای مختلف و ریاکشنشون هم خیلی جالب بود من چی بود ریاکشنشون؟ من اصلا نمیدونستم کلن که ارتباط برقرار خواهند کرد یا نه هیچ ایدهی نداشتم مم. که حتی دست میزنن چطوری هستش و اینا مثلا ام ام یه چیزای جالبی که داشت نیبودش که مثلا یه سری آدم اون پشت میرخصیدن با قطعات ما بعد ما داشتیم بوشهری میذاریم خب این ریتم بوشهری یکم مشخص بود براشون گرفتنش سخت اون داشت با یه ریتم دیگه ای میرخصید با اینکه موزیسین هم بود خودش فرهنگشون با ما متفاوته اعتمالا آدم همیشه این کار رو میکنه حالا چه توی روابطش چه توی مثلا حالا موسیقی که گوش میکنه هر چیزی میگرده دنبال یک چیزی که باهاش آشناه و مم. اونو بلده مم. از طریق اون باهاش ارتباط میگیره خیلی زیاد با سازای کوبهی ما ارتباط گرفته بودن همش هی میگفتن ما مثل اینو داریم yes. این خیلی شبیه اینه این yes. خیلی Actually, Majid, I was thinking about you because I was thinking, from what I know of indigenous, some of the music that I've I've learned from First Nations groups and stuff in Canada, it it often starts with rhythm, and then it has and and it reminds me in some cases of what you guys do in Rastok. Did you see similarities, and did you did you experience that with local groups? Like you almost have more in common with the Manitoulin Island than you would with a big city uh, crowd in, in, in Toronto. I have to, to ask you guys about something, which is that, I, and I don't know how many people know this now around the world who are uh, aware of Rastok or fans of Rastok. You're this great Iranian group that's known for your touring inside Iran and all the different places you've played and being very well known there. You guys actually moved. Um, it's been about a year now that you have relocated uh, to Turkey. Uh, you're living in Istanbul. Um, that's a major move for a band so identified as representing Iran. Um, how hard has the 
the move bean. That's Who wants to take that for? So oh, they, they're pointing at the manager. <laughs> <laughs> okay, actually, migration is hard. So maybe because I had the experience before. You were in Malaysia for a long yes. time, yeah. For 10 years. <clears throat> But the story is even a family wants to move somewhere, it's hard. I mean, it's like like wife and husband. But it's imagine it's a ten families want to go. So yeah. they have their mother, sisters, the other families, brothers back in Iran. Uh, so yeah, that's that's very hard. So managing, I mean, doing all of this, everyone who actually have to convince friends and families that it's actually the best thing for them and for the band but I think uh, one things that one thing that it makes easier uh, at least for me and those actually we spoke about is that having a common target let's say mm-hmm. and which is music and for Rastak it's this music and working on that music is the thing that's actually made it easy for everyone to actually do it, mm-hmm. decide it first. Mm-hmm. But it's the decision is the first part. Then you go and you have lots of ups and downs. And mm-hmm. yeah, so and the whole so band moved, right? Yeah, uh, almost whole. Yeah, that's a. I mean, it's it's huge. It's a big, big undertaking. It's a big, you know, the obvious question. I mean, people can kind of imagine the answer, but but. Um, if I were to say why, Jero, <laughs> you know, why, why, why did you decide to make this move now? Uh, گسترده تر کنه ولی خب برای اینکه وارد این فضا بشیم خب گروه های خیلی خوبی تو دنیا وجود دارن که دارن کار میکنن برای اینکه به اون نقطه برسی یه سری امکانات لازم داره یه سری امکانات اجرایی و یه چیز دیگه که خیلی مهم بود برامون که این کار انجام بدیم ما یه پروژه رو شروع کردیم به اسم در خانه بیمرز که روی موسیقی کشورهای همسایه کار کردیم و باستاب خوبی ازش گرفتیم و فکر کردیم که اگه توی یکی از کشورهایی که در مرز ایران هستن بتونیم کار کنیم به صورت ریشهیتر و عمیقتر بتونیم موسیقیشون رو بشناسیم و شاید بتونیم تعاملی داشته باشیم با موسیقی دانان و در واقع هنرمندانشون از همون نقطه شروع کنیم و ببینیم چه اتفاقی در آینده میفتیم It's an interesting move because on the one hand it's um, it it's understandable that you're going to have uh, it's going to make things easier in terms of international touring the kind of projects you just talked about um, but on the other hand you guys were stars are stars in Iran so um, you're not just leaving Iran uh, with other possibilities you're you're leaving there's a certain comfort that you would have in Iran I mean I would imagine uh, that you it, it's quite might be a little scary to to leave that comfort of the it's a country of 80 million people who know you and will come to your shows and will see you on the street and and love you and you're you're taking this big step to go somewhere else tell me how that feels magic uh 
نمیدونم آخه این تعبیر این کامفورت معنی این کامفورت چی میتونه باشه کامفورت برای شخص حالا من شاید خیلی از بچه‌ها این باشه که کارهایی رو که دوست داریم انجام بدیم با توی فضای انجام بدیم که انرژی بهتری از انجام اون کار میگیریم اون خیلی حس بهتری میده کمان که پروژه‌ای که این توی یک سال گذشته تو استانبول انجام دادیم ممکنه که چه میدونم اون استدیوهایی که تو تهران اویلیبل دم دستمون بود و شب نصف شب هر ساعتی میرفتیم من کلیدشو داشتم یه دست کلید داشتم انواع استدیوهای دوستای مختلفم بود و میدویدیم میرفتیم یه کار میکنیم خب این امکانو نداشتیم مثلا تو ترکیه سخت بود من تو استانبول ولی اون کامفورت همچنان به یه شکل دیگه ممکنه جنس کامفورت عوض شده باشه اون ولی خب تو استانبول یه جور دیگهش تجربه کردیم خیلی هم به نظر من خیلی هم شیرین بود یعنی اینکه در این حال مردمی که موسیقی رو خیلی دوست دارن مردمی که با موسیقی مختلف از سراسر جهان آشنا هن. یعنی خب بالاخره شهریه که اهمیت داره به لحاظ فرنگی هنری تو خاور میانه یعنی اهمیت داره که اگه نخوایم بگیم مهمترین شهره که داره توش هنر خار میانه ارائه میشه خب مخاطبانی که اونجا هستن همگی آشنان با مالتی کالچر یعنی براشون کامل هضم شده از همه جای جهان میان اونجا با همکاری جمعیت مش... ایرانی هم بله جمعیت ایرانی زیادی هم وجود داره در این حال آشنان با همکاری مشترک با فرنگای دیگه اینا همه یه انرژی رو ایجاد میکنه جدا از امکاناتی که وجود داره امکانات حالا خیلی خیلی نمیشه اونقدر مقایسه کرد فعلا برای ما ولی انرژی خیلی اهمیت داشت Let me ask a sort of professional or more of a difficult question then I'll ask you a more personal question Siamak but but best all, I, I assume everybody's going to point at the manager for this answer so I'll just ask you uh, I mean when you're a well-known band like Rastak like I really don't know how this works if you're a well-known band like Rastak in Iran I would imagine that the Iranian government would not be happy for that Rastok is moving out of Iran. Um, was, is there any kind of difficulty around that for you? Oh, first of all, let me add something to Maji's uh, comment uh, and yours. Actually, y- when you say comfort, uh, I think that was kind of, especially the, l- the years before COVID, it was kind of comfort zone for mm. us. So I think we have to We had to break out, out of the comfort yes. zone, right? And yes. this is a new challenge. Yeah. Yes, but we know because during the COVID, we we found that it's actually the world is so small. So, and and the Rastok's music has the potential to export or it's it's find um, its way to other cultures. Yes, and yes. This Vingush, if I'm spelling Vingush, film festival it shows that it's. Out of nowhere, someone emails and asks Rastak to go and do the closing. And before that, they are contacted with Maoris, Hawaiians. So that's amazing. Just, yeah. Yes. Uh, so we thought that yeah, this this can break out, as we said, comfort yes. zone yes. and make new challenge. So yeah, we went to Istanbul. We had lots of challenges, but I think we were considered that time with the. COVID sign we were I mean during COVID I think Rastak was very productive so he had lots of uh, an album music videos a uh, couple of singles mm-hmm. so and <coughs> collaborating with mm-hmm. the different artists in Istanbul yeah that's fun. 
So what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> My question was whether, look, I mean, uh, we don't even have to just make this about Iran. If, if Michael Buble, who's identified with Canada, moves to the United States, it's news in Canada. You know, it's like Michael Buble left Canada. I mean, it would be news that Rastok is leaving Iran. And, and again, I don't know if the, if the Iranian state would, or would like that, would feel like, oh, why are you guys leaving? We, you know, so have you... Did you have to be careful around that? Have you heard from anybody? Has anybody asked those questions? Has it been difficult? Yeah, actually people asked, those we know, so, but no, government didn't ask, so. (laughs) Okay. So that's, um, but uh, this is, I'm not sure if you want to broadcast it, but it's like, let's say whatever you think, whatever you're comfortable with people hearing. Yeah, so even uh, as you see in our performances, Still, girls have their um, hijabs, yeah. and we don't think that we l- we are not going. I mean, performing in Iran anymore. But so, yeah, still we love to perform there with our people. I mean, for our people, mm. uh, as long as we can. But yeah, it depends on the situation. So. If they don't have problem, we can go and play and come back. So that's that's the whole. Let me let me come back to that. I'm going to ask everybody about that in a moment. But but um, Simak, let me just ask you on a personal level: How difficult was it to talk to the whole band about moving to to a different country? I mean, that speaking of diplomacy, you know, that's that's another thing that I would I I can't imagine everybody goes okay, let's pack up the family and go. I mean, it's a people have lives, people have. Uh, families, uh, people have been in Rowan for a long time. T- tell me about how you did that. But we had a potential that this opportunity that he can Iran and this opportunity can help from every perspective, میدونین توی یه جمعی فضای اتمسفر ایجاد میشه که دیگه شما دارین حسش میکنید که چنین چیزی از خودتون هم ممکنه جزیش باشین جزی از اون چیز باشین یا نباشین وقتی که این اتفاق افتاد ما توی یه مقتعی حتی فکر کردیم که ابتدای رضیه بیایم کانادا و اینجا بخوایم روی همون پروژه کار کنیم و یه مدت حالا باشیم مرسی توی یه محله دیگه صحبت هایی شد هر کدوم از بچه ها نظراتی داشتن که شاید با توجه به فضای فرهنگی ترکیه این حضور داشتن خانواده ها و اینکه همه دوست دارن خب توی شرایطی اونا رو ببینن بیشتر ارتباط داشته باشن همه این چیزا با هم این به این نتیجه رسون ما رو که خب بیایم ترکیه بریم ترکیه در واقع و واقعیتش اینه که توی چنین چیزی که انقدر ماجرای جدیه کسی به نظر من جرأت نمیکنه به که بچا بیاین این کارو بکنیم به عنوان یک چیزی که بخواد انجام بشه فقط میتونین نظر بدین که این اتفاق بیفته خب توی این ماجرا تقریبا همه بچه ها همراهی کردن که این اتفاق بیفته و بعد از اونم بعد از اینکه اومدیم ترکیه فقط این در مورد شرایطی الان تو رستاکست منظورم که بگم یه چیزی فکر میکنم زمان 25 ساله زمان طولانیه برای یک جنسی از این دست کار 
من اسم میکنم که تفکری که توی رستاک الان جریان داره یا جریان داشت به نظرم اومد که تفکریه که مسن شده خیلی سنش زیاده و شاید خیلی جوابگوی اون چیزی که باید الان اتفاق بیفته نیست بنابراین یه تغییر یه مقدار میشه گفت ساختاری تو رستاک اتفاق افتاد و خودم پیشنهاد کردم که من و فرزاد به عنوان مشاور توی رستاک باشیم حالا توی اون بخشایی که میتونیم کمک کنیم ام. یعنی از تجربه این مثلا 20-25 سال استفاده کنیم اگه بچه ها خواستن نظر بدیم و در واقع استرکچر مدیریتی رستاک با جوانترها باشه و کسایی که تجربه جنس دیگه ای از کارو دارن مثلا دینا به عنوان جوانترین عضو گروه بهزاد به عنوان کسی که توی فضای بین المللی کار کرده و یکی دیگه از دوستان که شما ندیدین خاطره که اونم فضای کاریش فضای کاری مدیریتی در واقع که حالا اگه منو مثلا حالا من خودم یا حالا فرزاد تصمیم گرفتیم اینجا میخوایم بریم این قطعات رو اجرا کنیم حالا ممکنه با حضور دینا و بهزاد اینجوری بشه که نه الان که داریم اینجا میریم این قطعات رو اجرا نکنیم اینا رو اجرا کنیم اگه خواستن ما به عنوان مشاور نظری بدیم گوی این که این چیزی که دارم میگم ممکنه کمی طول بکشه حال یه فضایی دیده که بله توی 25 سال اونجوری ادامه پیدا کرده که حالا بچه این کار رو بکنیم من خودم دارم سعی میکنم خودم آدابته کنم با شرایط جدید این فضایی کاری دینا tell me when CMAC or when the, the idea first came up um How, how did you feel about this move and how has it been for you? I know your mom is in Iran mm-hmm. and you had a place there. And uh, so t- tell, tell me how it's been for you. And first, first how, how you reacted when you first heard the idea and then how it's been for you. بخشی من میتونم دینا رو لو بدم قبلش دینا خودش جزی کسایی بوده که دینا بخواست ایدیا دینا بود اصلا دینا بکنم بهزاد هم یه موقعی عاشق ترکیه بود ما پوش کردیم نه ولی واقعا اینجوری نبوده خب این ایدهش که خیلی اساس ایده این که این اتفاق بیفته خیلی یهویی اتفاق نیفتاد فکر کنم تو ذهن هممون این جرقه هاش زده شده بود همونطور که سیامک جان گفتن اون فضا دیگه حس می شدش که دیگه باید یه اتفاق دیگه ای بیفته حالا یه چیزی بگم نظر میخوام که خیلی چیز عجیبیه it's it's you don't see this it, there's not a lot of precedent for this anywhere else in the world that a band that is famous in one country, particularly in one country, would as an entire group move to another country. You know, the Beatles together are moving all to the to America. It's not really something that we hear about very often. Single artists, yes, you know, but so it's very, it's, it's, it's pretty major. And that's, uh, I'm sorry for cutting you off. فکر کنم که ما میدونی چون خیلی سال همه داریم ما هم دیگه کار میکنیم حالا من به عنوان کچکترین عضو گروه خودم ده سال الان با افتخار دارم که با بچه ها دارم کار میکنم خیلی وقتا دیگه یک حسایی و هممون با هم میگیریم مثل که مثلا میخوایم بریم یه جایی اجرایی بکنیم هممون با هم دیگه یه قبلش به این فکر کردیم که فلان قطعه رو بزنیم یا فلان کار رو بکنیم یا نکنیم یعنی اون ایده هر اتفاقی و حسی که میگیریم فهم کنم همزمان تو ذهن هممون انگار جرقش میخوره 
و دیگه فضا یک جوری میشه که حالا هم کووید خیلی تاثیر گذاشت هم خیلی اتفاقات دیگه که حالا مثلا پروژه‌ای که شروع کردیم و یک سری محدودیت هایی که خیلی واضحه اون اتفاق ایجاد میکنه که فکر میکنه دیگه داره جلوی خلاقیت رو میگیره میدونی یعنی خب دیگه از هنرمند اگه خلاقیتش رو بگیرید که اتفاقی نمیفته یعنی یه جور درجا زدن دیگه انگار و باید بهاش آدم بپردازه یعنی میدونی که اگه بری ممکنه چند استپ بری عقب ولی توی یه طولانی مدت یک اتفاق خیلی بهتری میتونه بیفته you guys as a group were all I mean you're such a family you know that you because you really all have to buy into that together because those okay we're going to go through some tough times three steps back as you just described it من فهم کنم یک روز هم نشد ندیدم نبینم اتون تو کومیت نه نبینیم هم دیگر هر روز با هم دیگه کار میکردیم هر روز فعال بودیم هی داشتیم فهم کردیم خب اوکی حالا مثلا الان اجرا نداریم ولی چی کار بکنیم اینا یعنی ما هی همه با هم دیگه داریم زندگی میکنیم و یه جوری اینو خانواده هامون هم میدونن یعنی حالا مثلا مادر من که الان آخی عزیزم دلم برای تنگ شد <تصفيق> مادر من میدونه که دینا یه جورایی کارش, کارش نیست خانوادشه یعنی انگار مثلا خودش از بیرون داره نگاه میکنه میگه اوکی مثلا ساپورت میکنه که شما هر کاری بکنید برای شما بهتره انگار برای من بهتره یعنی اینجوری میبینه کل گروه برای همین اونا هم خیلی حمایت میکنه یعنی کردن هم خانواده هممون اون لحظه ای که این ایده میاد تو ذهن همه فکر حالا من الان که اومدیم میفهمم اینو احتمالا به حساب چند بار تجربهش کرده دوبار فکر کنم راحت ترین مرحله تو مهاجرت اون لحظه ای که داری میری یعنی الان اینو میفهمم بعد از الان یک سالی که اینجاییم انقدر با چلنج یعنی انقدر چلنج های مختلفی میاد سراغ آدم ام. حالا هم بیرونیه یه سرش درونیه که اصلا اون استپی که میخواد آدم بره تصمیم بزرگترین چلنج چی بوده واسه شما بزرگترین چلنج از خودت بزرگترینش خیلی خیلی چیز زیادی بوده واقعا ولی کلا اومدیم تو یعنی استانبول با اینکه حالا خیلی چیز دیگه میگم روک میگم روک با اینکه خیلی این همه سال ما داریم سفر میکنیم این بر بر میریم مثلا تمامی یک عالمه همه قرار رفتیم بغیر از یکی انشالله میریم اونم شیلی هم رفتیم این همه جای مختلف رفتیم با آدم های مختلف در ارتباط بودیم ولی واقعا یه مدت مثلا چار پنج ماهی که گذشت دیدم که اصلا ما با اینکه تو ایران ارتباط داریم با آدم های مختلف میریم میریم ولی ما خیلی اصلا عقبیم یه جور دیگه فکر میکنیم حالا عقب و جلوشو نمیدونم خیلی دنیامون متفاوته با آدمایی که بیرونن و اون که مثلا اون دنیای آدما بیرون از ایران خیلی بزرگه <تصفيق> یک جور دیگه همه یه جوری از انگار بیرونتر میتونن هر چیزی رو ببینن و خیلی خیلی وایده دنیاشون اصلا ما خیلی یعنی من من به شخص خودم این برام بزرگترین چلنج بود یعنی <تصفيق> احساس کردم اصلا یه چیز دیگه هم قشنگ بهساد از از شما میخوام همون همین سواله که از نظر شما چی اون واقعا سفر کردن چند روزه با یه جایی موندن حداقل برای من 
خیلی اون موقع واضح نبود تفاوتش که من هر بار میرفتیم با سیامک حالا اجرا یا برای ویزا گرفتن چیزی بود میرفتیم همیشه خب خیلی قشنگه دیگه خیلی یه کمی هم تغییر کلن همون تغییری که میگین سخته دیگه آدم از یه جایی با همه داستانایی که هر کسی 20 سال سی سال یه جایی زندگی کرده مدت کمی نیست واقعا خونوادهی داره اطراف با همه ماجره ها پا میشن میان یه جایی دیگه مهمترین مسئله به نظرم این بود که خب شاید اون موقع آدم باید خیلی راحت تر بگیره همه چی کنه اتفاق نفتود باشه در کنار همه اون چیزه که واقعی هست هر روز باهاش زندگی میکنی ولی خب شان واقعا شانسی که داشتیم این بود که ما گروهی اومدیم اتفاقا یعنی هم سخترش میکرد هم راحت ترش من اگر که این امکان نبود که با یه جمعی از دوستان که از خودم بیشتر بهشون اعتماد دارم از همه همدیگر رو دوست داریم اینقدر کار چفت شده در این مدت زمانی که با هم کار کردیم بچه ها همه میشناسیم همدیگر اگه این شرایط نبود خب من هیچ وقت واقعا ممکن نبود که اصلا جرعت این تصمیم گرفتنم داشته باشم ولی وقتی آدم پشتش واقعیت اینه که پشتش گرمه به یک جمع خیلی مطمئن بعد همه چی راحت میشه برات در کنار اینکه کار سخت میشه یه نفر تا ده نفر جا به جا شدن خیلی ولی همونم راحت کرد واقعا خیلی برای I think I remember seeing you guys in Istanbul last year when you it would have, it had been like a month or two since you moved and you were all in one house <laughs> like Dan Afar you were like living together really wanting to leave get out you know find your own places but um, it's it's a it's a remarkable move I don't actually know the answer to this question I asked this innocently does this make it more difficult for you to play in Iran uh, yes it does first of all is is a cost wise actually because if now we are living there And if someone wants to do a tour in Iran or a show, so you have to invite us there, then you have to pay for the airfares, blah, blah, blah. Then you know that it's mm-hmm. all, all this cost that is. If they are okay to do that, and I don't know, they can finance it. I mean, from our point of view, we don't have problems. You still want it. to yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Faraz and Jami, as Shoma before time, if, if somebody is... We have a, a, a large section of our audience that are uh, that listen to us and watch us in Iran. Uh, if they're listening to this right now, um, what's your what's your message to them about um, wanting to come back and, and perform in Iran, even though you live in Turkey now? Message که زیاد داشتیم راجب این موضوع که خب آیا ایران اجرا دارین ندارین چجوریه ما هم که خودمون که برحال کلی خاطره داریم با اجراهای ایران هر جایی که رفتیم همه هموطن و عالی و اجرای پر انرژی و نمیدونم باید چی بگم واقعا تو اون شرایط شاید هم روزی بشه که در آینده دورهای گستردهی تو ایران داشته باشیم ولی در حال حاضر اصلا ام، امکان پذیر نیست برای کسانی که کنسرت گذار هستند و برنامه ریزی هاشو انجام میدن خیلی حس دلتنگی داره برامون و برای مخاطبان ما هم 
طبق پیام هایی که دادن باورپذیر نبود یعنی فکر میکردن همیشه رستاک هست و فکر میکردن رستاک همه چیزش اوکیه میدونین چی میگم یعنی در بهترین شرایط هست هر وقت بخواد کنسرت میده و همیشه در دسترسه و بعد بک موضوع رستاک خبر نداشتن خب رستاک هم بنان یک گروه مستقل هنری برای برگزاری کنسرت چقدر مشکلات ممکنه داشته باشه چقدر سختی ها داشته باشه و اداره کردن این گروه موسیقی موسیقی مستقل چقدر سخته اینکه در هر شرایطی بعضی کنسرت ها رو نتونی بری به خاطر حالا حضور یعنی شرایطی که وجود داشت توی قوانینی که تو ایران هست هر جایی قانونی برای خودش داری قانون کلی نیست و از طرفی هم خب بعضی از زمانهای سال مجبور بودی که کنسرت ها کنسل کنی در واقع شاید بگم سه چهار ماه در سال شاید شیش ماه محاسبه کردیم شیش ماه در سال امکان اجرای کنسرت موسیقی وجود نداره تو ایران و اینکه شما فرض کنید یک چهارم از ایران چرا؟ نمیفهمم خب ماه محرم ماه رمزون آره یا ماه از آره یا مثلا خیلی چیزهای مختلف هست و مردم از این اطلاع نداشتن و فکر میکردن که خب یه گروه موسیقی هم یادی کنسرت میده ما حتی اجراهایی بود که تمام مجوزهاش گرفته شده بود و میخواستیم بریم رو استیج یک ساعت قبل از کنسرت کنسل میشد یا مثلا خیلی وقتها از ماها قبل یه برنامه میشد برای کنسرت یک اتفاق اجتماعی اتفاق میافتاد که چند تا کنسرت ما کنسل میشد و ما وسط قرار وسط این ماجرا قرار می گرفتیم نمیدونستیم چه تصمیم بگیریم حج و کلا این چیزا وجود داشت ولی با همه این اوصاف همیشه اجراهای ایران برای ما مهمترین بود و هست و البته مردم ایران و همتران هر زمان بیان خب ما در ترکیه هستیم و در خدمتشون هستیم من یه چیزی میخوام ببخشید اضافه کنم و فارسی هم میگم چون خوش گروه رستاک شد من حداقل تا الان نیدم هیچ گروهی حالا من چون میتونم از بیرون این حرف را زم خودشونی کن اینه که گروه رستاک بچهاش فقط موسیقی رستاک رو اگر زمانی هست تحقیق میکنن روی هر چیزی که هست اگر تحقیقی حالا هست اگر چیزی سعی میکنن خودشون رو اکویپ کنن با یه چیزی دیگه مثلا مجید میاد زحمت میکشه اون بخشه چه میدونم صدا برداریشو تقویت میکنه حتی خیلی کار رو زب میکنه میاره این چیز چیزای جدید یاد میگیره به حساد به یه نفت نمیدونم اکبر میره کار مثلا تصویر میکنه ما الان تقویل همه کارمون خودمون ادیت میکنیم این چیزه توی گروه است یه گروهی که اینجوری نیست که هر کدوم برن توی گروه دیگه بزنن یه درامدی داشته باشن یا بره تدریس کنه که اصلا ما همیشه مخالف این بودیم چون تدریس خیلی وقت میگیره از بچه یا این کار رو بکنم کار کنم پس عملا همه چیزش همه زمان این اشخاص میره برای تحقیق و همین کار یعنی هیچ چیز جنبی دیگه ای نداره که روی این حساب 
این خیلی اینو خواستم خیلی بگم چون خیلی این تصور نرم خیلی از گروه ها حتی خارج از ایران هم ما میبینیم گروه های شبیه راستاک توی مثلا ترکیه اونا هر کدومش توی گروه های دیگه میزنن اصلا اینجوری نیست که yeah. صرفا ددیکیتد yeah. باشن هم yeah. این یکی این یکی هم این که این خیلی ام... کلیه این که هیچ کسی موسیقی رو در ایران به عنوان یه شغل و بیزینس نمیبینه یعنی مثلا شما یه اتفاقی میفته مثلا یه اتفاقی میفته میگن فلان چیز اینا یه عده میگن خب چرا رستاک باید اجرا کنه بعد این اتفاق در صورتی که شما به یه پزشک نمیگی چرا تو بعد این اتفاق میری مثلا عمل میکنی مثلا خب چرا نباید مثلا چرا چه چیزی هست که یا حالا مثلا من نمیدونم خیلی وقت هم میگن سلبریتی ها اینجور هم سلبریتی ها باید اینو بگن اونو بگن من, من شخصا اینم که این فکر بگم که این رسالتی نیست ولی در مورد حداقل موسیقی اینا میدم که آیا شما که اینجوری چیز میکنی حاضر این که از اون بر طبعاتش خودت خیلی روک به طور مالی طبعاتش آیا شما بودی مثلا چه میدونم ما تو ایران چی میگن این هیچ چیزی نهادی نداریم بر این داستان مم. که حتی نهاد خودساخت پیترون هم حتی نداریم تو ایران که طرف بیاد ماهانه مثلا یه چیزی بذاره بر این پس این اینم یه چیز دیگه که حالا توی ذهنمون بوده و اینا آره با بوغند یه وقته یا فکرم دلم خواهد اینو فریاد بزنم مرسی I appreciate that دینا جانی میخواستی همینو خواست بگی The manager stole your words No great minds کمان چه میزنی شما نه دقیقا همینه انقدر که این موضوع برامون بار داشته مخصوصا از قبل از کووید یه سری اتفاق افتاد و بعدش هم خورد به کووید که ما هی اینو تجربه کردیم خیلی دلمون مونده بود So, so Majid's, uh, Majid's gig playing drums with Coldplay is not going to happen anytime soon. It's a joke that some of them got. Uh, uh, it is such an honor and a pleasure to have you guys in the Rook studio. I know that um, Fazan and Besa, the, the, the dynamic duo brothers here, are going to uh, um, honor us with a, a little song live in uh, the Rook studio, and I'm excited about that. But before we get to that, uh, let me, uh, a final question to all of you. Um, we'll start at this side, and then we'll go to the, the Ostad Siamak at the end there. Um, and the question is, um, where would you like Rastok to be? What's something you would be excited about? Rastock to to accomplish in the next five years. Start with you, Matt. I'm not going to say a lot, but I'm going to say a lot. One thing is that every time I get more and more, maybe this is a problem. I'm not going چیزی که دوست دارم تو پنج سال آینده برای رستاک اتفاق بیفته اینه که به جایگاه واقعی نه بیشتر حالا اگه بیشتر بشه که خب چقدر خوب ولی از تمام امکاناتی که این ویژگی برای رستاک ایجاد میکنه بتونه رستاک استفاده بکنه معرفی بتونه بکنه خودش رو به فرهنگای دیگه به مخاطبان دیگه یه اتفاقی برای رستاک همیشه میفته این برای من خیلی هیجان انگیزه افرادی که کنسرت رستاک رو یک بار میان این جمله تبلیغاتی نیست و این گزارشیه بیشتر برمیگرده 
آره خیلی دیگه از اون بعد هی دوست دارن اجرای لایو رو شرکت بکنن یه معنی داره یعنی که یعنی انگاری تو اون لایو اتفاق میفته من یه بار تونستم لیه لایو از رستاک این طرف باشم تو شیراز دیدم آره اون طرفی دیدم خیلی کیف داد یعنی هنوز که هنوز خودم دوست دارم که اصلا کاش اینورم بتونم باشم به خاطر همین حالا تو پنج سال آینده واقعا دوست دارم که رستاک بیشتر دیده بشه بیشتر تجربه کنه حتی یعنی شخصا جواب خوب بود لازم نیست دیگه از کسی دیگه ببخشید خواهش واقعا همه بچه ها دارن بهزاد سیام من واقعا اصلا کمتر بچه ها خیلی دارن زحمت میکشن خیلی تلاش دارن میکنن برای اینکه همونی که مجید جان گفت اون چیزی که نه بیشتر نه کمتر اون جایی که فکر میکنیم برای ما تجربه های خیلی هیجان انگیزی داره میتونیم بهش برسیم اصلا برای همین خودمون راه کردیم تو این رودخونه که داره میره که ببینیم چه اتفاقایی در انتظار ماست چه چیزایی میتونیم تجربه کنیم امیدوارم این مسیر پیش بره فقط هم. لذت ببریم ساز بزنیم اجرا کنیم ضبط کنیم همون چیزی که زندگی مونه کمی با آرامش بیشتر لذت بیشتر تجربه های هیجان انگیزتر فرضا هر چقدر میاد این ورتر امکانات کمتر آره من با بهزاد بعضی وقتا شوخی میکنم با بهزاد پور نقی بهزاد میگم گفتم آدم ها به دو درسته تقسیم میشن اونقدر تحصیم داشتم رو رستاک میگفتم که آدم ها به دو درسته تقسیم میشن یا رستاک رو دوست دارن یا آدم های قوی نیستن بعدش الان به یه پلن جدید رسیدم به بهزاد گفتم که اینجا دیگه از این بعد اینطوریه هر آدم خوبی باید رستاک رو بشناسه هم تو خودش جوک داره ولی این که واقعا من به شخص خودم دوست دارم کسایی که میان و حال ممکنه خب رستاک هم قطعا منتقد داشته باشه سلیق بحث سلیقه است ولی اون کسایی که رستاک رو میشنوند و اتفاقاتی که تعریف میکنن که با گوش کردن با موسیقی مثلا تو چه شرایطی گوش کردن چه اتفاقاتی براشون افتاده یا مثلا چه خاطراتی دارن و از لحظای خوبشون میگن دوست دارم آدمای خیلی بیشتری اگر موسیقی ما برشون اثر میذاره و یک حال خوب براشون ایجاد میکنه آدمای بیشتری این حالو تجربه میکنن خیلی هیجان انگیزه برام که مثلا یه موزیکی تولید شده پنج دقیقه سه دقیقه یا هرچی اینکه این حس به وجود برام وجود میاد که مثلا ممکنه صد هزار نفر پنجا هزار نفر این موزیکو پنج دقیقه از تایم زندگیشونو پنج دقیقه از تایم زندگیشونو که نمیشه روش ارزش گذاری کرد انتخابشون بودیم و این موزیکو گذاشتن و گوش کردن هیجان انگیزه یعنی شما پنج زب در صد هزار مثلا نفر که بشنون یه موزیکو میشه پنج میلیون دقیقه 
درست گفتم یعنی این خیلی این خیلی این خیلی برای من هیجان انگیزه اون خوشحالی مثلا من خیلی اگه بخوام خاطر بگم از اتفاقاتی که افتاده و چی در مورد رسته گفتن میتونم کتاب بگم چون همشون مراجعه میکنن من مثلا میگن که مثلا من... کتاب گفتی الان این سخن پایانی بود آره این جلد اول کتاب بود جلد دومش تو مصابه بعدی میگم خیلی ما از اولین آلبومی که رستا کنم 15 سال الان میگذاره و تو تمام این سالا تمرکز رستاک روی ایرانی ها بوده یعنی ما هیچ وقت حزینه ای نکردیم برای اینکه روی آدینس خارجی بخوایم تأثیری بذاریم یا اونا رو جذب موزیکمون بکنیم ولی این اتفاق خود به خود افتاده یعنی الان مثلا توی این یه سالی که حالا تو استانبول رفت آمد میکنیم زیاد را میریم چند بار سیامک رو شناختن سیامک و مجید رو شناختن و فرزاد رو جلوش رو مثلا حتی گرفتن تو خیابون که آه رستا و ترک بودن حالا این یکی چلنج هایی که داریم زبان ترکیه کی بلده ترکیه؟ یه کمی همون بلدیم این موزیک خودش بدون اینکه ما بخوایم هدف قرار بدیم آدینس خارجی رو خودش یه جورایی پخش شده مم. مثلا ما قزاقستان 2017 اکسپو در قزاقستان که بودیم یه خانومی از دور داد میزد بعد میدوی سمت ما بعد اومد فرزاد دید عشق ریخت یه خانم اسپانیایی بود گفت من عاشق رستاکم باورم نمیشه که مثلا شما خودتون اینجایی فکرم داره موزیکتون پخش میشه یعنی بدون اینکه ما بخوایم این موزیک پتانسیل اینو داشته که یه کسی که از فرهنگ ما نیست بتونه باش ارتباط بگیره حالا الان توی الان از یک سال پیش تا حالا بهزاد خیلی خیلی به طرز وحشتناکی من یه سای دلم واقعا براش میسوزه داره تلاش میکنه که این راه رو باز کنیم و یاد بگیریم که چجوری میتونیم باشون ارتباط بگیریم و فکر میکنم که در واقع تو این پنج سال شاید بیشتر هدفمون همین آدینس خارجی باشن مم. که میدونیم پتانسیل اینو داره موزیک ما که با ما The coach, the leader, the fearless leader. The final word. واقعا چیزی که من میخوام بگم ممکن خیلی بی‌رب باشه به نظرم بیاد واقعا اینجوری نیست ولی حالا به عنوان از فاوندر مثلا چیزی که رستاک از ابتدا شکل گرفته برای من همین بوده الان هم باز همون ایده توی سطح دیگه وجود داره. من واقعا با بهزاد صحبت میکردیم موقع بعد زمانی با فرزاد مجید همه بچه ها ماجرام فقط این بودش که موسیقی دوست داشتم میدونین و اینکه از کار کردن توی یک جمع در رابطه با اون چیزی که دوست داشتم به اسم موسیقی خیلی لذت میبردم هیچ ایده ای در مورد بعدش نداشتم واقعا که مثلا چه اتفاقی قرار بیفته یا اصلا این اتفاق میفته یا حتی تلاشم نمیکردم این اتفاق بخواد اینجوری بیفته خب فکر میکنم یه مجموعی از اتفاقات مثل اون آلبومی که آماده شد مثل زمانی که آماده شد 
فرمتی که ما توی تصویرش داشتیم شانس همه این چیزا به نظرم میاد خیلی صادقانه و واقعیش اینه که یه مجموعه ای از اتفاقات یه چیزی ایجاد کرد که الان رستاک توی این موقعیت و جایگاه من واقعا چیزی که از همین الان تا مثلا پنج سال بعد نه یک ماه بعد نه پنجاه سال بعد وجود داره برام اینه که دوست دارم تمام کسایی که توی رستاک هستن خوشحال باشم همین یعنی اینکه حالا مثلا اون لحظه که البته خودم جزشون نمازم خودم خوشحال باشم یه وقت اینجوری نشه به خاطر دیگه مشکل بیشتر وقتا اینه که یه کسی به خاطر خوشحالیه که اون آدم میتونم من باشم هر کدوم از بچه باشن این بالانس خوشحالیه دوست دارم برای همه در رابطه با این چیز وجود داشته باشه مثلا اگه از روی استیج میایم پایین من عصبانی نباشم فرزاد خوشحال باشه مثلا ولی کلا توی زندگی که خواهی نخواهی زندگی شخصی هم خیلی مربوط شده به رستاک چه توی زندگی شخصی که حالا موضع های مختلف داره وضعی نمیدونم احساسی مادی نمیدونم جایگاهی هر چیزی اجتماعی هر چیزی توی این حوضا تا اونجایی که من در مورد هر کدوم از بچه ها میدونم و در رابطه با رستاک دوست دارم خودم با بقیه خوشحال باشیم همین ببین That's why he's the leader این بخش رو من گذاشتم سیامک بگه ببین این خیلی خوب منظورم این که خیلی خیلی اون شاخهای بیرونیش بازه حالا مثلا اینه که فرزاد از این چیز که رستاک بتونه توی استیجای بزرگتر اجرا کنه خوشحال میشه خوشحال تر میشه خب این چیز یه هدف مشترکیه بین من و فرزاد که باعث میشه خب وقتی این اتفاق بیفته از دیدن خوشحالی فرزاد خوشحالم بهزاد دوست داره چیزای جدید و خلاقانه رو تجربه کنه خب این وقتی که بتونی یه اتفاق اینجوری بیفته برام جذابه که پس بهزادم خوشحال شده خب خودم خیلی خوشحال میشم هر کدوم از بچه ها یک حوزه ای دارن که اون هدف مشترک میتونه باشه ولی یه چیزی you're single right بله and I think one thing about Siamak is if he wasn't a musician, he could make a great HR manager. Uh, wow. <laughs> the, listen, uh, for sure. I, I said this last time that you guys were on the show, but the, the way to, to, to keep a family together, listen, to keep a family, let alone a band, together of 10, of 10 11 people uh, is, is remarkable. And to keep you guys and to move it to another country and everybody on board. I mean, you're right. Somebody's doing amazing HR work and and uh, it's um, a credit to all of you that you get along so well. I, I, I couldn't be more grateful that you're all here. Farzad and, and Besad, this this piece that you're gonna play for us, Chimituni Begi Aziz, what's the story behind what you're gonna play? Well, because I don't have the opportunity to play with all the children, ساز رو بزنیم اینجا فکر کردیم که دو تا از سازهای فولکلور ایران رو 
بیاریم یکی ساز تنبوره که اولین سازی بوده که خودم نواختم از بچگی تو خانوادمون بوده و بهزادم که دف به نوازه و اگه دوست داشته باشین حالا یه مقام یعنی مقام یه موسیقی قدیمیه که در واقع با جزء رپرتوار اون سازه که اجرا میشه یه فضای تقریبا نزدیک به اورجیناله سعی میکنیم که اونو اجرا کنیم و بعد به یه قطعه زربی هم وصلش میکنیم به قطعه ریتمیک وصلش میکنیم و امیدوارم که شنونده های رو کوششون بیاد Amazing, Let's get set up to do that um, and I'm excited to hear it Merci, Merci,
Wow. Live, unbelievable. Live in the Rook studio, Fazod Muradi, his brother Behzad Muradi on tambour and daf, respectively. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. در واقع میشه گفت یک برداشتی از یکی از مقام های تنبوره مقام ها همون مجموعه قطعاتی هستند یا رپرتواری هستند که برای یک ساز آینی هستش و در آین ها استفاده میشه و در واقع اجرا میشه که معمولا قدمت خیلی زیادی دارن این قطعی که اول به صورت آوازی اجرا کردم یک مقام بسیار قدیمی تنبوره به نام سرترز ام. که یکی از مقام های اصلی تنبوره که خیلی در واقع پیچیدم هست و سعی کردم از اون مقام استفاده کنم و در واقع ریتم هششت رو روی این مقام سوار کردم و حالا یه سری تغییرات هم توش ایجاد کرد چقدر تمرین کردیم دو ما من قطع رو معمولا تکیم این نوازم بهزا جان الان دیگه اونقدر شنیده دیگه قطع رو من زدم خودش ولی تمرینی نکردیم و همینجوری به داهه بود شما هم که اون, اون دف اصلا من خیلی سال بود اصلا دف نمیفهمیدم گفتم این, این چیه این, این ساز نمیفهمید یعنی قدرش نمیفهمیدم ولی وقتی که شما رو میشناسم میشنوم میفهمم چقدر این how you can use this instrument it's unbelievable مرسی لست خوشحالم که اگر که این حس رو داره برای شما دف باید خودت باید بزنیم کس دیگه قبول ندارم مرسی بازم مرسی خیلی ممنون از شما که دعوت کردین ما رو باید افتخار ما بود در کنارتون بودیم و خوشحال شدیم بریم آرسنال نگاه کنیم آره آرسنال هم خیلی خوب رفت جلو ببین ترانسفر مارکت هم خیلی کارهای خوبی کرد همون اوایل که بازی بودش من گفتم این تیم به جای خوبی میرسه گفتی گفتی مرسی راستاک بچه راستاک راستاک and internationally recognized Iranian roots and folk ensemble that of course in the end was Farazan and Behsad their latest album is called Dance with Rastok Rastok band have joined me here live in the Rook studio Uh, Shia, yes. uh, uh, you, you know, watching Farzad oh. on that instrument, those fingers, yes. I am just, um, I, I, I'm, you know, it's it's like uh, they, when they say about great guitarists, he can make the instrument talk. Oh. You know, it's amazing watching yes. him. I, we, I can't wait for us to post the video of that. Yes, and uh, I wish they uh, add more improvisation like this to their show actually because i really love because they're that good they yes, could do it yeah amazing yeah um, amazing thanks again rastok thanks guys uh this is full time for rook for today um what a show it's been penny kianzad rastok thank you for listening to check out all things related to rook go to our website rookmedia.com rookmedia.com there you can link to all of our previous episodes our guests our funnies our videos etc and you can press the support us button to become a patron regular little contributor to rook which we really appreciate thanks to the amazing team who put this show together each week savvy roham talented anahita the fabulous key on super parisa smart pega alai meritad captain reza and groovy shaya thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content please subscribe if you haven't done so already 
We appreciate that on any of our platforms. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizunbashi. Mizunbashi.